Chomp your booty. <laughs> I think it chomp, is. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Chomp, chomp, chomp. your booty. Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 54 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty and today's Saturday, 2.07pm. I am joined by my forever co-host and bearded brother-in-law. What's up over there, man? Uh, not much. Um, I went car hunting yesterday. How's that search going? It's going well. I picked one out. I'm just haggling at this point. Um, looking at a 2019 Civic. Nice. Now, what features would that have that... Um, over the 2017 model. So what you have? Yeah. Versus, it, I mean, so, I'm assuming the design's relatively the same. Yeah, I think you have the EXL and I have... I'm going for the Touring. So okay. I'm going to have leather, black leather interior, same color, body style. Um, the difference between the, like, the Touring grade is like chrome trimming, different rims, an inch bigger wheel, 17, or 18 versus your 17. Okay. Um, LED high beams and like backlights all lighting and then a subwoofer like a louder stereo no i didn't i didn't actually care i I was just presenting the question i wasn't really expecting a response you know what how about you and your lack of caring just go fuck yourself we got a packed episode today (laughs) with talking brothers folks we seriously do there's been no news stories out the wazoo um from monday until the wee hours of last night we've got some Really exciting Star Wars news and just Disney news all around because they have their D23 Expo going on and a lot of good stuff's coming from that. Even right now, we just What's recently... What's the D23 stand for? Um, I have no idea. Okay. Because like E3 stands for something. Yeah. Well, there's it's like Electronic Entertainment Expo or something. Yeah, but does that mean there's like 23 D words? Yeah. Figure it out, Ryan. 23 Ds. Welcome to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> No, but we got a lot of news stories to cover. Some really unfortunate news that happened earlier in the week about GameStop and Game Informer. Mm -hmm. Um, Nintendo had an indie showcase earlier in the week. We've got The Matrix 4 coming from our man Keanu Reeves. And uh, what else do we got to talk about, Ryan? Here's the biggest thing. Rusty really goofed and somehow stopped receiving notifications on his phone about his secondary Gmail account, otakadbrotherspodcast at gmail.com, if you ever want to write in. We had some friends of the show, Travis, executive producer, and Nick, um, Nicknack, I think is his Instagram and Twitter handle. He wrote in as well a couple weeks ago, and I never got him because I didn't receive those email notifications on my phone. So I'm, I apologize for that, folks. That's why I want to open up the episode, do our listeners well. What are you doing? Looking for Nicknack. Okay. Nicknack, Paddywhack, give a dog a bone. Or the guy who you've... Like purposely forgot his email. It's like Nick Knack anime, something like that. Knack. But okay, I'll I'll find you. Yes, we've got three emails to get through. One from Nick, one from Travis, one that actually came at the wee hours of this morning. Chronolink nine one, and he actually has a voice message. Ooh. So I'll have to pull that up on my phone, I believe, because I'm not Jason Heine. I'm not audio technician, engineer. I'm not able to uh, play that through my computer. At least I don't know how to. <laughs> I'm curious if I did try and play it, if it would record. Yeah. That's something like we test off air. This is week two with the computer. That's right. right. 
Maybe we'll um episode. Maybe 10. we'll take emails after a break. We'll do Instagram first because I want to see if if I can get this to play through my computer, the audio will come in a lot clearer. Okay. So we'll try that. Yeah, you do you. But we'll uh, stuff. But yeah, thanks for the emails. We got a ton of stuff from the Instagrams that I want to get to right away, Ryan. Let's get to it. If you ever want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you can do that. Ari Lewis 2011. Post updates about the show. I feel like my Twitter account is relatively entertaining. Yeah, lots of dog stuff nowadays. What's that, up with that? Last night, I actually posted a relatively viral tweet. And by relatively, I mean I got like 10 likes, which is pretty significant. Oh, yeah. I also... Basically Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Uh, shout out a tweet. and thank you is in order, Ryan, for good friend of the show, Logan. It's been a long time supporter. I talked about in the last episode, maybe it was two episodes ago, about how when they showed a trailer for The Force Awakens back in 2014 or 15, I can't remember what it was, I tweeted something about it that it like, you know, hit you right in the feels as far as nostalgia goes. You can't complain. And I said it got like 100,000 likes. Well, yeah. come back to reality, Rusty. It had like 1,000 likes. But it still had like <laughs> basically four, 100,000. <laughs> 400 retweets or something like that. Here are the exact stats. Logan somehow found it. I don't know how. That's beside the point. He said, was this the tweet on our Discord? <laughs> and he's like completely let down. He's like, I'm, I was looking for 100,000 and I was just like seeing this BS. Yeah. So the tweet read, there should be all caps, no negativity surrounding that trailer, did exactly what it set out to do, excite, hit all the nostalgic feels. Star Wars, or it was SWCA hashtag. I don't really know what that stood for. Star Wars celebration announcement, maybe. I don't know. But 401 retweets, 919 likes. That's pretty significant. Yeah, that's a lot. But anyways, last night I tweeted after... Way more than I've ever gotten. All kinds of Disney Plus announcements as far as... There's a Lizzie McGuire... Uh, revival. Hillary Duff's coming back. It's really? basically 2003 again. She has kids. She does. Sure. Um, anyways, the tweet that I tweeted got 10 retweets, 20 likes. I said, you know, some people will say one person says this and then another person says, hold my beer. To mm-hmm. basically say, yeah, I'm going to one-up you. Yeah. Um, so I said, Netflix, ain't nobody going to ever be able to rival our stream service offerings. And then I said, Disney, Hold my Mickey Mouse ears. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Hashtag Disney Plus. 10 retweets, 20 likes. Good stuff. Let's get to the Instagrams right now. Ari Lewis, 2011. And then, then like Bob Iger just like tweets it. That'd be pretty interesting. Probably not going to happen. Not going to hold my breath. But anyways, um, Ari Lewis, 2011. Ari Lewis, 2011. Um, all kinds of things are happening right now. But... Yeah, so typically 24 hours before we record the podcast, I put a query out there, just some kind of question to either get you guys to tell us something uh, or just ask us a random question. And so what I said is, tell us what you think the most overrated movie is. And we got some interesting responses. So I'm going to go ahead and go through these. One of these I'll leave for last because I want to pull something up for that. Dan, not Dan, Steeler Dean. I don't know. Totally screwed that up. Dan. <laughs> I don't know why I read Dan. Steeler Dean, Dean, friend of the show, says Frozen easily. Tangled is a much better film that doesn't get the praise. I agree. It get, it get, wow. that was. It got a lot of praise. But yeah, I think Frozen. And it's like one iconic song. Yeah, let it go. I um, I actually didn't know much about the movie because when I was in college, I... It was really rare that I ever went to the movies. I didn't have cable. 
So my only um, would talk to girls who you, would have introduced you to Frozen. That's that's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, I didn't really get out a whole lot, and any kind of media announcements that I would have learned about would have been through Twitter or just other news sites. But I remember going back home for Christmas one year, or maybe it was Thanksgiving, I can't really remember, and I was in a video game store over at our local mall. It was like a local mom and pop type shop, and he had just some random radio station playing and Let It Go played, and I'm like, that's kind of a catchy tune. Yeah. And so I went home, and my sister, when she finds a a movie or a TV show or a celebrity, she kind of like throws herself into that movie or TV show, watches it religiously. If it's a particular actor, she'll watch every film that that actor's ever been in, that Mm -hmm. type of thing. Wow. And at the time, it was Frozen that she was obsessed with. And so she rushed me to the nearest theater. We went and saw it. And it's a good movie. It's it's okay. It's not high up on my list of... It's probably not top 10 Disney for me. Um, Maybe not even top 15. But it's an enjoyable little movie. Yeah. It's Tangled better. Um, God, you have Flynn Rider. You've got a little chameleon dude. Yep. Yeah, and I think, Flynn is like the only self-aware of how like crazy and like unrealistic Disney is. He's like, he, my favorite scene is probably him like looking at her hair. He's like, her hair's glowing. Like he's just like having a panic attack. Yeah. Because he just like got healed by like her glowing hair. Yeah. And he's like, this is actually kind of like, what is going on? I think the movie's better than Frozen for Pascal alone. Mm-hmm. The little chameleon. In um, the smolder. Yes. Mm-hmm. He also says Avatar, which I agree. To be fair, though, I think seeing that movie in 3D the blue people, in right? 2009, yeah. Um, seeing that movie in 2009 in 3D was unbelievable. There was really nothing like it. And, of course, it started this huge gimmick of films that were eventually going to see just shoehorning in you know, the 3D element like Journey to the Center of the Earth with Brendan Fraser. I don't need to see him in 3D, but we did. And a bunch of other movies that it was just unnecessary. But I think for that movie to see it in IMAX 3D was really pretty neat. Yeah. No, I really liked Avatar. It's still visually just stunning. I love all the flora that like glows in the dark. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of my favorite where like the blue girl turns off his fire and then everything else glows. Yeah. It, visually, it's amazing. It really is. Plot, it is basically Pocahontas, Yeah, I'm, which has that, been said. That's the point I was going to make is that for for storytelling, I don't really think it does anything revolutionary or anything to move film in any interesting direction, but certainly the way it was filmed and uh, introducing audiences to 3D was really pretty neat. I'm excited for the new ones. Oh, like and like see 30, where it goes. In 30 years? Me too. Yeah, I'll be yeah. first in line for that with my cane. Logan writes in a few different times. He says, what's your Starbucks order, Ryan? Um, a white lightning, which is secret menu Starbucks, but it's, I think, five shots of espresso with some cream or white milk. Okay. Yeah. Just if you want your heart to stop and be ready to go. I was going to say five shots of espresso seems a little oh, unhealthy. Oh, it's great. Okay. Oh, it's so good. You get a tall or whatever, a skinny. What's the large one? Large. Benti. Grande. Grande is the medium. Okay. It's the, tall venti. No, it's it's tall grande venti. Venti, then you get a venti white lightning. Okay, that try it. Seems folks. a little unhealthy. If you need energy, you want to work and then crash. Do it. Okay, I will think. Ride about that. the lightning. What is yours? For me, it's either a grande co- regular coffee with a little bit of room for cream. God, and, that's so and like then white bread. 
other than that, it's uh, a grande iced coffee with a little almond milk, a little splash of almond milk, not too okay. much, and then one pump of sugar-free vanilla. Mm. Nice little mix of flavorings going on there. Okay. I like uh, caramel van- or vanilla macchiatos. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the, um, there's like a strawberry drink there. That's okay. like a million and a half calories. Mm. We used to, Lauren, uh, Amanda, who was my first girlfriend, and I used to always be driven there after swim practice and get the uh, strawberry, like it has whipped cream on top. And then, oh shit, I just punched my mic. And it's then okay. lemon bread with like, it has like icing on top. Cancel out our entire swimming workout. That was so good. Probably worth it too. Logan also says, uh, I don't know which one I want to do here first. What's your uh, favorite kind of poop, Ryan? I I didn't know there are types. Um, well, you definitely solid diarrhea, red, green, yellow. Nothing after hot sauce. Like even now, Chipotle like hot hot sauce. It's it's rough. Yeah, tomorrow I just had Chipotle like. Because I did, did back day and I hadn't deadlifted in a while. And I was like, I need some carbs quick. So I got all the salsas, which I've never done, which is going to be just a cluster on my stomach later. And but your like, butthole. Yeah. And then the hot sauces. Oh. So probably, I mean, like a high fiber diet. Like, yeah. Yeah. One. I think solid poops are probably the best. Yeah. Nothing like your grip in the bottom. Like kind of, or gripping the stall, sweating, or like you have to take your shirt off, kind of, <laughs> or like screaming and yelping in pain because it hurts so bad. To yeah, get I mean out. something that you can surf the web, like look up what a, the Mason Dixon line was. Like that was my poop the other day. I was like, what? I've heard the Mason Dixon line recently, and I was like, I need to. I want to refresh myself on the history of the Mason Dixon line. I'm more of an astrophysics guy when I'm taking my shits. See, that's that's way too intense. That's at least like a a less than solid kind of experience. Only when I'm doing Taco Bell poops. That's the astrophysics. I need something to take my mind off of what's actually happening. See, that's more like that plant click game. Like, but then you have to wash your hands. And like, you question whether you handle a phone, but like at the same time you're bored and you you don't want to look, just look at the stall door. Do you ever sanitize your phone? Because I mean, you're basically, you know, Wipe. No, you you use one hand. Okay, and then you wipe with you the just, other one. You just you basically like discard your right hand, okay. and then you use your left. You you wait. You're using your phone with your left hand. Are you a lefty phone user? Yes, depends on what I need to do with my right hand. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> wow, that no, like looking up stuff where I'm like I need a sit. <laughs> so let's go to the next question. Okay, the next question. I cannot salvage. I don't know how to salvage that. You're not going to, Ryan. But the listeners forgive you because this is a forgiving podcast. <laughs> Logan Balls. writes in again and he says your first online gamer tag, either PlayStation or uh, Xbox. <laughs> how about I start? You're, reco- you're still recovering over there. No, me. I know what it is. Like my first, like RuneScape would be my first tag before I even did Xbox or anything. Oh, okay. And it was FERT.11. F-E-R-T dot 11. Because I didn't realize that, like, their usernames mattered. Like, I thought you could just, ru- like, slam your hands on your keyboard and get whatever. And FERT.11 was what came out. And I was like, now everyone <laughs> sees this, and uh, my name is freaking FERT. Did you ever come up with a story as to, like, what No, I you? literally slammed my hands on the keyboard, and that's what came out. Okay. And I was like, this is... Okay. 
and then I sucked, and then I restarted, and then I became future furry, and then I was a furry for like freaking 10, 15 years. Oh. Almost 15 years. Hmm. So, I've, I've like 250 days until I can get the 15-year veteran cape. Nice. On RuneScape 3. But usually it's like King Cole mm-hmm. is what I go for, King Cole 72. Nice. Yeah. For me, the only MMO or game I never played RuneScape was Toontown, and I don't really remember what my little tag ID was. Oh, that... Yeah. Lauren had... We played Club Penguin. I don't know which one came first. Probably Lauren Club, got banned Club from Penguin. Club Penguin. I think we had talked about that in an earlier episode. Yeah, we did. Yeah, for, go back to episode 7 for that. I think for Xbox, for me... Actually, I know exactly what it was. It was Fear the Steel 43. So... And Steel was spelled S-T-E-E-L for the Steelers. Yeah. And then 43 is the number of my favorite Pittsburgh Steeler player and probably my favorite player to ever play in the NFL, and that's uh, Troy Palomalu. Okay. He was a safety out of USC that came onto the Steelers, and he was one of the most humble of dudes, but he off the field, but he was vicious on the field. And he was so great at reading the quarterback mm-hmm. and when he was going to snap the ball that he literally launched himself over the line as they were hiking the ball and just whack the the quarterback or the running back if he was handing it off. And his name is awesome. Palomalu? Yeah, dude, he was a It sounds beast. like a Hawaiian like fruit. I think he is Hawaiian. So, some sort of, yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, but he's one of those dudes, there's a lot of um, stories that people would be downtown and they'd come up to him if he was at dinner and just like introduce themselves to him. And he'd have a conversation with them for a few minutes and then he'd tell the waiter... Like, hey, their tab's on me. Like, he'd pay their tab. That's pretty cool. And then I remember reading another story, because I was. I remember one time, you get down the, the YouTube rabbit hole, mm-hmm. but instead of watching people get hit by cars like you do, I watch <laughs> Steelers, so Steelers highlight reels, especially I, about... I've ended... I don't know. Yeah, I've ended up on highlight reels before. Of people getting hit by cars. Yeah, yeah, or motorcycles. Accidents. That's yeah. cool. I watch fr- like all the Friends bloopers. Dude, are you going to let me talk about Troy? Yeah. Okay, so I remember reading in the comments section that, and however true this is, I have no idea, but I wouldn't put it past him. Um, Troy was in this bar one night, and this guy saw Troy, but no one wanted to go up to him because they didn't want to disrupt him or whatever. And Troy went up to the bartender, gave him his credit card, and just said, like, make sure no drinks go empty tonight, or no glasses go empty tonight. And then the place just like erupted, and Troy just like walked out. Mic drop. Did he ever get his credit card back? Well, I'm sure he swiped it for some certain amount, or once he got the number. Because once you swipe it and get the number, then they could probably just run it up as much as they want. Yeah, but that's cool. He's a cool dude. Anyways, I read one about like a comment in the like one of these videos that like Keanu Reeves, he was on the train with some people, and like there's this baby was crying, and then like. He was like rocking the baby, and then like he pulled out his like his tit and like breastfed this kid. All the comments you read on videos are true. I'd like to validate that one. <laughs> <laughs> and the girl was like, "Oh, he's so sweet." Okay, moving on. Uh, Logan says most overrated movie for him is the 2018 Halloween movie. Okay, he says. Have you changed your mind on it at all? And he had a winky face. I'm sure he's kind of just joking and jabbing at me because he knows how big a fan I am of the Halloween movies. And to be honest, to be fair, Logan, I actually have not seen the movie since I saw it in theaters. And if, if you don't remember, if you're a new listener here, um, 
I very much enjoyed the the new Halloween movie that came out last year. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, was in it again, and she had a daughter, and her granddaughter was the one that was probably the more um, the person that Michael Myers was after this time around. And were there some really head scratchy moments, especially when his psychiatrist put on the mask and wanted to become Michael and he wanted to keep Michael alive? Yeah, that was really bizarre and weird. Um, or the daughter ran into the woods. Yeah, just randomly. and just aimlessly wandered for like five minutes, and it was just no plot movement there. Yeah, there were some things that I just really didn't feel were good. Um, but looking at the movie as a whole, I thought they did a terrific job bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis, um, especially if I think this was 40 years after um, John Carpenter's original 1978 movie. And for that, the music, David Gordon Green that directed, um, I thought he did a phenomenal job, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next, but it's like anything else. You can never please the fan base behind these movies because very much like Star Wars or Star Trek, the fan base is so obsessed with... Um, the source material. The original, yeah. And it's like the, the, you know, the OG trilogy of Star Wars. And no matter what happens, the prequels, yes, they weren't great, some of them. And then now with Force Awakens, Last Jedi... Fans of the originals, particular, I would say, people like in their 30s and 40s that remember vividly seeing the 1977 version when they were kids, um, endlessly bash these new movies. And it just pisses me off, Ryan. Okay. It's just frustrating. It's just raging. Yeah, I, I'm just, I don't know. It's I just will say age. the new movies aren't as good as the old ones as far as Star Wars goes. Like sure. the original three. Yeah. And like, the more and more I go back to the fight scene in the throne room in this new one... It sucks compared to three, like the uh, Anakin versus Obi Wan battle of the heroes. I don't think any fight in Star Wars will ever come close to that. And but like if you watch it, like Rey and Kylo completely miss some of their marks because I was watching some like stunt breakdowns of like where it. And if you look at the red dudes in the background, they're just twirling around. <laughs> and like, oh, it's hilarious. Really? They're just spinning around. And then they go in for an attack. And they realize, like, Ray's off her mark. And he, like, spins back around. And, like, it's like, she's dead, like, there, there. And, like, she kicks one dude. And, like, they all go flying back. Yeah. It's, like, almost Power Ranger-y. But. Yeah. I don't I, know. We'll see. I think. I have really high hopes for The Rise of Skywalker, and they actually just released a new poster Yeah, where it almost looks like they're on Pride Rock or something like that. You have Rey and Kylo. There's like this stark contrast between blue and red, and then you just have Palpatine's face in the background kind of covering the whole poster. And he oh, his, I didn't see that. His hood up. Are you kidding me? No, I just saw the lightning. Why do you think I thought it was so freaking awesome? Okay, pull it up again real quick. Yeah. All right, we'll pull it up, folks. Get it up on the big screen. Yeah, look at that. Oh, shit. Isn't that awesome? Okay, that's way cooler. See, I was happy with the lightning. What is that? Is that a rock or is it a ship? It almost looks like it might be the tail end of someone's ship. Like the Millennium Falcon or something. Oh, God. And these orange eyes. Yeah, it's tough to say, but... um, Yeah, it looks like a ship. Or the old Death Star, maybe they're yeah, I'm not pounding sure. it out there. But very much looking forward to Rise of Skywalker. I don't even know where the heck we were, Ryan. We were answering questions of overrated movies. Oh, okay. Um, so he said he, Halloween. He did. Nick Knack Anime, Speak of the Devil himself. He says, 
From what few films I've seen, I just couldn't get into both Doctor Strange Love and Dunkirk. I haven't seen either of those movies. I've seen Doctor Strange and No Strange Love. I think that's a completely different movie. Did she see what did he say? Doctor thought... Strange Love. Oh well no, I haven't seen that. <laughs> I was like, Doctor Strange. Have you seen Doctor Strange? Yeah. Okay. One I saw it in theaters. What the hell is Doctor Strange Love? I think it's an older classic movie. I want to say Gene Wilder's in that. I, I'm probably completely off base with that. Doctor <laughs> Strange Love. I love it when Dormammu fought. <laughs> no, this, like, uh... this movie came out in 1964. Oh, it's a Stanley Kubrick film. Yeah, never. The Shining, Clockwork Orange, 2001: A Space Odyssey, Full Metal okay. Jacket. Those movies, Ryan. Yeah, a little bit different. Just a smidge. And then what was the second one? Dunkirk. This was the war movie that Christopher... I, it looked interesting, but I couldn't... There's no way. No one directed. Those things are too stressful for me. What? War movies? Like intense war movies. Have you seen a war movie that's not intense? Avatar. <laughs> that's not a war movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. The humans shot down and blew up that tree... To get the unobtainium. Okay, war movies are Saving Private Ryan and We Are Soldiers and... It was a war documentary to Black Hawk the Down. Get out of here. Avatar people. Andy, friend from work, his wife's probably playing Dragon Age Inquisition right now, says, sitting around a campfire with a couple friends and we have a few for you. He says, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Never seen that. I don't think I have. Fight Club. Interesting one. Have you seen Fight Club? I would agree it's overrated. I think it probably was like a couple, not a couple years ago, but maybe a decade ago. Like it was all the buzz, even it though it was, yeah. Like it, it's died down in the hype. Yeah. I mean, usually, like the the one thing that people quote is like, "We don't talk." The first rule of Fight Club is we don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. Did you? Read and then this like the end school? twist. What? Did you read the 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 book? Fight Club. Yeah, by is Chuck th- Chuck Palniuk or whatever. Because I mean, it was originally based off of his book. No, I didn't. Okay, because we had to read it in class, um, in one of my AP literary classes, and then we um, we watched the movie in class as well. But okay, that wasn't the we, first time I'd seen it, but I think the we read the one about greasers. What, movie, what book was that? The Outsiders. Yeah, The Outsiders. I think it's required. You have to read that one. Yeah, to be a a student. I uh, or American. The cool thing for me when I saw Fight Club, and if you've not seen the movie, you certainly should, especially if it hasn't been spoiled for you as far as the ending. I didn't know the ending. Yeah. I didn't know the twist at the end. So for me, it was very like, holy crap, head explode moment. Like the the uh, the sixth sense. It's like it makes what? you think it of was... the you have like the entire movie differently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. But um, not good enough to be the best. He also says Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I've never seen either. That's the one with the. Uh... Transylvanian transvestite. I love that because the guy who's is the uh, like trans transvestite is the same dude who is the pirate in the um, Muppets movie. Eddie Izzard. Maybe he had a stroke and now he's in a wheelchair. That guy. Oh, I didn't know Eddie Izzard had a stroke. Who's Eddie Izzard? He's a transvestite. No, let's see. Comedian, hilarious. Muppet. Treasure is land. Pirate. Long John. No, I don't think it was Long John Silver. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's a chain, a fast food restaurant. Let's see, actors. All right, I'm going to keep reading. That's fine. 
Nolan says, hey guys, so you have 30 minutes to get coffee. Jim, or Tim Curry. I don't think Tim Curry's a transvestite. No, he played a transvestite in The Thing, oh. and then he sleeps with both of them. He's but also he, he Nigel Thornberry. He sings a great song. He's also Nigel Thornberry. Uh, Nolan says, hey guys, so you have 30 minutes to get coffee with any celebrity. Who would it be? Keanu Reeves. Okay, that's that's good. See, I was thinking... Um, Jesus. No, I mean, it's, I don't really... Does he drink coffee? You, Jesus, as a celebrity. Um, he I would, is in most of, like, two-thirds of the U.S. Okay, we're moving on. Um, <laughs> so, Ryan suggested that I listen to, um, or watch Lucifer, Lucifer last week, because we started a new segment called Night Owl Media. I didn't do that, because Lauren was out of town this week for three days. She was in Alabama and Atlanta. You're destroying your own segment. And... Um, you've been fucking throwing me off a lot this episode. I had no worry, no idea where you're going. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. I don't even know what the heck I was supposed to say. You didn't watch the show I suggested for your segment that you created last time. So because... I watched, I watched a movie, uh, and it's a movie that I've been wanting to watch for a long time, but it like Endgame, it's, it's very much a commitment because it's over, I think it's just over three hours or just under three hours. And it's starring my favorite actor of all time, and that's Leonardo DiCaprio, and the movie's The Revenant. Oh, you did? Yes. What did you think of the bear scene? So, let's walk through this movie real quick, and if you've not seen this movie, um, I'd recommend skipping ahead like five minutes, because it's worth watching with a pretty open mind and not having an idea of what's going to happen. And so, of course, everyone knows about the bear scene, it's what everyone talks about when they talk about The Revenant. And so it's kind of anxiously anticipating it, and it doesn't really happen within like the first ten minutes of the movie. It, no. it takes a while. They kind of build the plot a little bit, and um, so you have Leonardo DiCaprio who knocked up this Indian woman, and she gave birth to a child, and so he has this Native American son. Yeah, he's also a part of this. Um, I don't know, like what would you call it? Um, like, I think they're like explorers, or like they're. Just out kind of in the West. Yeah, they're just collecting American explorers, or... if you will. Yeah. And they're just hunting for fur and stuff like that on lands that they really shouldn't be because it's kind of um, a territory of a particular Native American that's um, their biggest threat, if you will. Yeah. So clearly Tom Hardy's character does not like Leonardo, Car- Leonardo DiCaprio's character because of his son, and he gives him a lot of shit for it throughout the movie. Yeah. And there's a point where Leonardo DiCaprio's character goes off and just kind of starts hunting. And you hear this bear. And then it comes at him and just starts going absolutely ham on his body. And I was just like, oh, gosh, this is rough. And then it just walks away with his cubs. And I was like, I mean, that was bad, but it wasn't. Was it? How did you compare it? Because it's been like four years since I've seen that movie. Hold on. I, I'm not done yet. So... The bear starts walking away. Its cubs start climbing this tree. And I was like, that that was like 30 seconds. That really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Then the bear comes back. And Leonardo DiCaprio loads his gun, shoots it in the face, and it just runs up to it, cuts his neck right open with its claws, and then just turns the body over and starts jumping it down and pressing his paws on his back because that's how they kill their prey. They like literally put all of their weight and force on the body. Mm-hmm. Which I think a lot of people mistakenly um, 
read that as that the bear was raping him, which he the bear wasn't. First of all, the bear was a female because it had cubs, so I I'd yeah. assume it was a female mom bear. Um, so that wasn't happening. But I cannot even imagine a scenario where someone survives that with the force of a bear jumping on your back. Yeah, animals are screwed up on the way they kill things. It's it was insane, and then just completely ripped up his back. I destroyed his foot. I think he like broke his foot. Mm-hmm. And Leonardo DiCaprio took a knife and just started stabbing it in the throat until it eventually died, and he rolled down this hill. So fast forward a little bit, and um, his men end up finding him, patching him up a bit, but he's completely mute. He can't really talk. And he's just really pretty much out of commission. Yeah. And they eventually get to a point where they're climbing this mountain and it's freezing cold. They recognize that they can't continue to carry his body. Oh, I remember what happened. Okay. They're getting ready to kill him. Yeah. And that's when Tom Hardy suggests to stay back with Leo's son and one other little, one other younger guy. And the rest of the movie, I won't really go into the details, but I will say that I was thoroughly impressed. I was talking to someone at work about it and, uh, he said, oh, it was just way too slow for me and really boring. And for me, I loved it so much because, one, I love watching the Planet Earth National Geographic um, documentaries mm-hmm. about sea life, Arctic life, um, African savanna life, the whole nine. I love all that kind of stuff. And the cinematography in this movie is absolutely brilliant. All of the still shots of wildlife, of sunsets, sunrises, um, just the snow falling, everything was so brilliantly shot that for me i was like (laughs) that on top of the story that i already loved was made it one of my i don't want to say one of my favorite movies but certainly one of my favorite dicaprio movies yeah so you thought it was way worse than the bear scene in game of thrones like the fiery bear and like that was nothing yeah the guy didn't even really get i do i mean it's been so long since i've seen that but i remember it was bad oh yeah dicaprio one oh yeah i mean i don't know how they filmed that i don't know i mean because the way his body was contorted and ripped around and he's such a brilliant actor to begin with i mean how he did not win best actor for the wolf of wall street when he the quaalude scene have you seen the wolf of wall street yeah um when he takes the quaaludes and then crawls back to his lamborghini do you remember that scene? Well, there's the one, there's the Quaalude scene in the plane, right? Where, like, he assaults the girl, like the stewardess. Is that one? Or is it a different Quaalude? No. There's, like, a lot of Quaalude scenes. It's different. Yeah, it's, he's crawling to his car, and it's clearly improvised. I mean, I'm sure Martin Scorsese was just like, Leo, I need you to just be the best damn actor that you are. Yeah. <laughs> and react to this, you know, drug that you're taking. Um, how he didn't get a best actor nominee, or, uh, award for that's beyond me but certainly deserving for the revenant um but naturally with leo being my favorite actor i went back and watched rusty's a softy you know everyone knows it that's listened to this podcast for any amount of time i went back and watched the titanic i was gonna say and just wrecked me like it always does lauren wasn't home scooby wasn't doing it for me and i was just tears for days towards the end because freaking celine dion with her music and all the music in that movie, once it starts playing, is just tears for days. So, yeah, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. He, I mean, I like. I can appreciate how much time Leonardo puts into these roles. Like, I was listening to one of the lecture, not lectures, but the guy who actually was the Wolf on Wall Street. 
that guy, he does lectures now because he's in debt $100 million, or that's what he owes the government. Mm-hmm. And um, he spent over 100 plus hours just interviewing that guy and talking to him, like going through all these crazy stories and things. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not method acting, but like it's research. And the research, I, yeah, it's respectable. So, to get back to Nolan's question about who I would meet with, I'd probably meet with Leo. One, to just talk about. Um, all the diverse roles that he's played ever since Critters 3 back in 1991 up until, um, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I think the biggest thing I'd pick his brain about is just like the ocean and environmentalism. Um, yeah. Environmentalism, is that a word? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, just everything that he does and is an advocate for for protecting our planet, which yeah. recently the um, the Amazon forest is like burning up. It yeah. has been for weeks and I didn't you know, know that like, supplies yeah. 20% of the humans, like... Oxygen? Oxygen. Yeah. And then they can see the smoke from space. That's crazier. From the satellite images? Yeah. It's scary stuff. That or Tom Holland would be cool. He'd just be really fun. Yeah, I feel, I feel like he'd be a good time. Really, a lot of the Marvel actors would be really fun to hang out with. They seem really down to earth and pretty chill. Yeah, I think like so. Like Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth. Both of them. They would be awesome. Yeah. Um, Chris Hemsworth can teach me surfing in the Australian waters. Yeah, that'd be fun. Or uh, Jason Momoa would be a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he'd be just ridiculous. He could teach you surfing, too. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. We also got... Just really burly men. Like, just... Yeah. Chronolink91 says, most overrated movie, Hmm. maybe the original Blade Runner? I never saw those. I haven't either. And I haven't seen the newest one with Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford's back as well. But he's ripped. He no, is? no, no, no. I'm thinking Ryan Reynolds in one of those Blade movies. Oh, Blade Trinity. Sure. Whichever one he's shirtless and chained to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> BDSM style. Mm. He says, but everything else in it is just pretty good for me. Um... Oh, so he's referring to someone, one of the actors in Blade Runner, Rudger Howers. I don't even know who that is. Sorry, Chrono. He says, but everything else in it is just pretty good for me. He said, also, gravity is up there. I was bored to tears. I was bored to tears, too. It is that sucked. The one with Sandra Bullock. In space and just freaking floating around and then bad things happen. She has to float different directions. And then I don't even know what happens. It just sucked. I think she crashes onto like into the Philippines or something like that. I just want to die bank. to end the movie. Some riverbank I think she floats up on or something. Um, yeah, I don't really recall many things from the movie, but one of the things I wanted to get back to, Caitlin, friend from work, big Bon Jovi fan, she says literally any Oscar-nominated movie. And so I wanted to go back, because I feel like the past five years, for the most part... It's all a political game. Most of the Best Picture nominees I've never even heard of. So, yeah. Best Picture winners let's do this all the way back to 2000 ryan and just let me know if you've seen it in your thoughts okay actually let's go back to 98 you'll see why 2019 was green book with our boy vigo mortensen have you seen that one nope shape of water 2018 have you seen that no that's the one where the girl falls in love with a fish man in a tank i think so that sounds like it sucks wait we're going you're going current year back to other things 2017 was moonlight have you seen that no what about what is moonlight spotlight in 2016 
No. Birdman from 15. I heard the little wheezy song, Birdman, from early 2000s. That's basically seeing it. 2014. (laughs) (laughs) 2014, 12 Years a Slave. Nope. Argo 2013, I wanted to see, I think. Is that uh, the one about a horse? Ben Affleck. No, that's called Seabiscuit. That came out in 2002. I could have sworn Aragorn was in one called Argo. Maybe not. Nope. Okay. Better luck next time. 2013 was Argo. I think Ben Affleck directed that film. I have not seen it. I heard it's good. Colin Firth's The King's Speech in 2011. Have you seen that? Or The Artist, 2012. That was a year two I forgot about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say. Cool. Nope, I haven't seen either of those. Wait, The Artist, I think Kate Winslet won Best best, uh, Actress for that. So I might have to actually go back and see that. Maybe it was The Reader. Hold on, let's check this out. The Artist. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what this is. It looks like a old-time black and white movie. Okay, so no. Yeah, interesting. 2010 the was uh, The Hurt Locker. Great war movie, at least I've heard. Okay. I've not seen it, but I think um, Hawkeye's in that. What's his name? Jeremy Renner? Okay. I think that was one of his earlier movies that kind of put him on the map. Slumdog Millionaire. That one looked like something I wanted to see, but I never did. Haven't seen it. 2008, No Country for Old Men. Have you seen that? Oh, it's great. I really need to see that. Um, that's the one that we tried to watch as like a family movie night, and Dad nixed it because the first scene is like just 12 people getting murdered br- like brutally. Yeah. And then we went to e- the Equilibrium, and that one is a scene where they just murdered dogs. And then you went to bed. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> it was just like... Because Equilibrium is like a, a dystopian future where they like try to get rid of their emotions with a pill. Um, the guy who played Batman was in it. Who was the guy who played I, Like, where is he? That one? Yeah. Christian Bale? Yeah, Christian Bale was the one of the main ones. Okay. And um, yeah, there was a scene where they had to get rid of dogs because they were like outlawed. And they just shot all these dogs and you just hear like the whimpering and dad was like oh this was like right after snickers had died that's sick. and like dad's like yeah i'm gonna go to bed like you have shitty movies ryan no kidding 2007 martin scorsese's the departed with an all-star cast i'm not even gonna start naming them off all you need to know leonardo dicaprio is in it jack nicholson mark Wahlberg. i think i've seen that matt damon outstanding movie Outstanding movie. Yeah, I heard that was really good. 2006 Crash. I think Ryan Gosling was in that with Sandra Bullock, maybe? I've never seen that. Crash. No, I haven't seen that. 2005 Clint Eastwood, Hilary Swank's Million Dollar Baby. Have you seen this? Nope. That's a really rough movie. Really? Like, oh my gosh. The ending to that's... What's it about? Uh, It's a female boxer. So Hilary Swank is the boxer. I think Clint Eastwood is her coach. Um, Basically, she gets knocked unconscious and basically becomes a vegetable at Uh, the end and i think he ends up unplugging her um jesus it's pretty rough that does not sound like a nice fun movie i remember seeing that in theaters at the ripe age of 12 and rusty was not doing so hot after that i never ate a vegetable since (laughs) (laughs) 2004 is a little indie film called lord of the rings the return of the king have you seen that one ryan no i actually haven't it's on my agenda to watch next week i talk about it like i have i really just read wikipedia a lot me too 2003 chicago 
No. Haven't seen that one either. This next one is excellent. Wow, Russell Crowe won two years in a row for Best Picture. A Beautiful Mind. Have you ever seen this one? Uh, no. I think I have. Maybe. This is the John Nash Equilibrium. He was an economics professor, and he ended up writing the the Nash Equilibrium. I heard great things. I've seen scenes from it, at least. I haven't seen the full movie. Yeah, with Crow, Russell Crow. It's really interesting stuff. I heard um, he's a ass. I've heard the same. 2001 was Gladiator. Speaking of ass. There it is. Russell Crowe again. Great movie, though. Yeah. 2000, I had really, yeah, nightmares because of this. American Beauty. Really weird movie. Um, I would have been seven when I watched this. That I, I wasn't supposed to watch it, let's be fair. I think we were over at a friend's house, maybe a babysitter's house. My sister and I somehow either turned it on or watched it. I don't recall. All I know, one of the most disturbing sex scenes to watch as a seven-year-old. Okay. We're going to leave it at that. 1999, Shakespeare in Love. Have you ever seen that one? Nope. Don't even know what it is. 98, I don't want to say it's my favorite movie of all time because it's not. Return of the King is. Or, I mean, Fellowship of the Ring is. But this I, one I would say is overrated. Oh, I know. And I'll, I'll well, have, that was for my answered question. Like that was the this is the one that I was thinking of for like overrated. Yeah, it's not. It's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. Yeah. Titanic. No, it's definitely overrated, but I still love everything about it. So yeah. and then you got English Patient. Braveheart was really good. That one has a really brutal scene at the end. Forrest Gump, I think, is overrated in ninety five. Schindler's List, that's a hard one to watch. Silence of the Lambs, Dance with Wolves, I haven't seen. Driving Miss Daisy, 1990. Platoon, I've seen that one. It's all right. All right, Ryan, we're not I going haven't to... seen any of the 80s. We're not going back to the Rocky? Year... Ryan, Rocky? We're not going back to 1929 when the Oscars... Godfather? Ryan, we're seriously done. <laughs> we're moving on, folks. We've got more stuff to talk about. And by that, I mean we've got listener emails, Ryan. One in particular was Chronolink91, and he actually recorded his voice that I found out just now I can actually play through my computer and it will be picked up on the recording through Audacity. So let's actually give that a listen right now. How's it going, guys? Wait, you can't respond back. Actually, Whatever. I can. What's up, Alec? Uh, it's Alec, uh, Chrono Lank 999. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It's 1.30 in the morning. I'm driving home from seeing Game Grumps Live in Boston. Uh, I don't know nice. why. We went and, like, me and the friends I was with, we went and got Wendy's after. Because I actually got done kind of early-ish. And then I just sort of, like, sat in my car and just, like, looked on Facebook for, like, a half hour. And I was like, oh, maybe I should go home. <laughs> and then I started driving home and I was questioning my life choices as to why I didn't get a hotel room because wow I'm tired and my eyes can't focus on the road but hopefully this energy drink will help hopefully uh, you got home safe I had a question now I don't seem to remember what it was <laughs> okay I will pose two questions, two questions. one uh, name your go to like road trip snack okay um I just usually I usually just try to get one one of e one of like everything. So I have to have a drink, mm -hmm. uh, and then a sweet and a savory. Uh, I mean, like I went I picked up a monster, 
uh, pipeline punch because that's the only kind I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to my friend Josh. Thanks, Josh. Um, Hook my what else did I get? I get goldfish, uh, extra favorite. cheddar goldfish, and uh, I got sour patch kids. I don't really know why because they're just not going to go very well with the monster. Um, I think I was more thinking. Oh, I, I know why. I have a mounds bar in here already because I'm one of those weird people that likes coconut and chocolate. So, um, so yeah. Okay, he continues with a second audio clip, which we will play right now. So I had another question down, uh, or by down I mean in the original time I was asking the questions. But I decided to cut it out because I started rambling about I don't even know what anymore. Um, Blame the tiredness, that's all I have to say. Uh, So yeah, Uh, second question. Uh, I recently acquired D2 on the Dreamcast, thanks Ooh, to a eBay stream by our boy Pete Door, and it was good, Getting good times. Um, so, yeah, uh, has have you? Uh, I don't own a Dreamcast, <laughs> but have <laughs> you ever done that? Also, game. have you ever bought a game for a console that you haven't bought for? Uh, you don't own. Yeah. And if so, what why, what was it, and why? Uh, I don't really know why I I do it. Oh well, because I'm a collector at heart. That's why I guess. Yeah, what of it? <laughs> anyway, hey, ooh, the moon's really <laughs> so nice exciting. right there. Um, the moon's really nice right so, there. So uh, yeah, um, I did because I, I did it with like Kingdom Hearts 3D. I got the special edition for that. Uh, I own a Vita game called Criminal Girls, um, and um, the special edition for that, I don't own a Vita, and that showed up damaged, so um, I don't know how much that's worth now, but whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, it is very late, and I need to get home. I'm not going to get home till like 3 o'clock. Cool. <laughs> I also lost my voice uh, chanting with the audience. I noticed. Uh, something that I will not say on your podcast. Oh, you can uh, say it. Have you heard the stuff but it was very fun. comes out of his mouth? And according oh, to both of, both uh, Danny and Aaron, uh, they had there was never any other audience that, that chanted it. So it made me really happy to be a New Englander. That's for sure. Trendsetters. And with that, I bid you adieu. Thank our good Lord. <laughs> Thanks, Alec. I appreciate you writing in, or not writing in, actually speaking in. Hopefully you got home safe. You sounded, yeah, you sounded exhausted. Rather tired. Um, so a lot to unpack here, Ryan. We've got, you're on a road trip. We can bring we can bring whatever you want. But what's your go-to drink? Maybe a sweet snack, and then kind of your just more snacky snack. And no carrots, chicken, and rice bullshit. I want, like, actual snack foods. So usually I like, as a foundation, water. With maybe like a crystal light for energy, you got some caffeine in there. It's a good one. Um, What's your favorite crystal light packet flavor? I don't know. Like a maybe is it strawberry? Your door keeps sounding like Lauren's at it. I know it's I weird, right? I, 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 I thought like that. two or three times too. Lauren will be interrupting the episode at some point. She went. Um, she was downtown today with her mom doing some kind of um, fundraiser walk. Yes, yeah, for heart like health. I, think. I didn't even know that was going on until I got pictures of yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Um, Shows that I'm in tune with the family. (laughs) We get so many texts to our group chat every day. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. Turn off notifications. Okay, so... So, okay, Crystal Light Packet. Crystal Light. And then I also like Monster as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually go with the blue one, which is like sugar-free, or like the white one, which is like zero. I like the white one a lot. Green is way too sugary, and I feel like I'm like losing years off my life drinking them i think pretty much any monster you're shaving off that a are like like red bull or energy yeah. yeah yeah i drink way too many energy drinks in my previous job to the point where if i smell a red bull now my heart starts palpitating what about monster i can take about i could probably drink a fourth of a can and that's about it wow um so, yeah my body just is like rusty we cannot handle this stuff anymore. Error. yeah it's it's really bad um, so then as far as snacks, basically what we had on the cruise, so we yeah. had goldfish as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheez-Its or wheat thins are really good. Um, white cheddar, obviously. <sighs> the bomb. There's only one choice. Cheddar Jack, is it cheddar? No, it's pepper jack Cheez-Its are actually really, really good. Really? Oh, delicious. I haven't seen them in forever. It's rare that I go down that aisle because typically a chip aisle and then there's more of a cracker. Um, yeah aisle where you have like your, your Ritz crackers, rice cakes, and your Cheez-Its and goldfish. Mm-hmm. But um, let's see. What else is there? There's cherry Pop-Tarts. Those are good. Very, very good. Um, you got zebra cakes. Delicious. I haven't eaten those since the eighth grade DC field trip. Probably a good choice. That's all I ate on that trip, and I made a lot of money off the food budget that they we were allotted. <laughs> I'm sure you well, did. Mom was like, you can keep any money that you don't spend on food. And I was like, I could make a lot of money. That's like 10 PSP games. Yeah. So I, I bought like two things of zebra cakes, which are basically just cakes with icing all around it and like like a whipped cream kind of thing in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I lived off of zebra cakes for a week and I made 150 bucks. See, I was more partial to those like fantastic brownies, the two little brownie squares with the little multicolored... Yeah, beads. Little uh, beads of candy that are impressed into the brownie. See, those are... Not they're the, heavy. They're really heavy. Really, really heavy. They're sh- like... Those make my stomach upset. Though, what's really good, what are those little wafery layer things? Oh. Nutter butters? Nutter, no, nutty buddies or something like that. Yeah. Well, those one's are, like shaped like peanuts. And those... Those are nutter butters. Nutter butters. The and wafery then, ones are like nutty buddies or something like nutty that. Nutty buddies are... Like, I would murder people for those. Like, <laughs> like, little do you know, Ryan, I have. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, they're so good. And, like, I don't know if there's a correct way of eating them. How do you eat them? Like, you pull off a wafer, like, dissect your food, or do you just go in ham? It depends. I think I've eaten them both ways. Kind of, mm-hmm. like, layered them. Or, like, you know, you remove layers and eat them that way. Because each layer gets, like, a little bit of that peanut buttery, yeah. processed peanut butter. It's kind of the same thing with cheese sticks. It's like, if I'm just hungry at work and I need to just devour this food and get my, no. my fat and protein, I'll eat it. Like string cheese? Yeah. You No, okay. Nutter butters, there are options. String cheese, you either just... Grab a mound of cheese and eat it, or string cheese is there to string. It's true, but there are times when you're at work and you're busy, and literally you don't have time to sit there and whittle away at this little rod of cheese as you pick off little pieces. I think less of you now. Good. Okay. I'm glad we had this conversation. (laughs) Me too. My (laughs) snacks on an ideal road trip. Um, I think so similar to you, I'd 
you have to have water, of course, but it, it really depends the time of day and what the road trip is. If this is like, I'm going two hours north to get to our, our alma mater to visit friends, mm-hmm. then I'll probably get like a 16-ounce coffee. Okay. Um, but if this is like a longer, Lauren and I are going a couple states over for a concert, probably get a monster, um, something a little heavier. The I think the caffeine's different between the two. Like one's taurine and one's actually caffeine. Yes. So like I'm so used to coffee that like I could fall asleep drinking the stuff I'm drinking now. Me too. Yeah. Um, but with a monster, it's like you're getting hit in the balls and you're like ready to go. That's right. That's right. Snack wise, um, depends if I'm in the driver's seat or passenger seat. If I'm in the driver's seat, goldfish or beef jerky, something that's really easy, I could just pop my yeah. mouth and chew and eat. If I'm in the passenger seat, that's when I'd probably think about eating something like... Flamin' Hot Cheetos? Flamin' Hot Cheetos or white cheddar cheeses. That's going to get all over my fingers, but I can still wipe it off on a napkin or just lick my fingers, whatever you got to yeah. do. Get the job done. Cool Ranch Doritos are always a good choice. Oh, so good. But uh, if I had to pick something sweet, big fan of Mike and Ike's. Um, big fan of just gummy-based candies. So Mike and Ike's, Twizzlers... Um, lifesaver gummies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Ugh. Sour Patch Kids are always good. I used to be huge into Sour Patch Kids, but I am very much a salt person. Okay, like I'm gonna have high blood pressure way before I get diabetes from sugar. So, yeah, I, I'd rather much go for a chip than I would for some super gummy. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Good stuff. Was there another part to his question? What was the second half? It was whether you got a game for a console you didn't have. That's right. So the first thing that comes to mind is... Don't worry, I paid attention. Yeah, that's right. That's why Ryan's here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening through his head mic. That's right. That's because, why I didn't respond to anything. Yeah, Ryan was kind of sitting on my lap listening to that uh, together. It sounds like episode one. <laughs> <laughs> it does. So bad. Um, I have. So for the PlayStation 4, I bought Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, because I knew... Um, within a couple months, whenever I could get the green light from Lauren, we were going to get a PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of when, not if. So I bought that because it was on sale. Um, I think I might have bought that and the Nathan Drake collection, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm thinking back, um, probably when I was like really in the thick of the YouTube gaming community, I was buying, I was buying games just to buy, I'll be perfectly honest, just because you would be watching these pickup videos of other people and they'd be buying all these games and talking about all these different RPGs by Atlas and all these really obscure developers. And I was like, well, if they're doing it, then I have to do it as well. And I have to create these pickup videos weekly or, or bi-weekly to show that look at all of this stuff that I've amassed. Now, yeah. I've purged a significant portion of it and really focused on the things that I love, licensed games and RPGs that I know I'm going to play and complete. And what have you. We're not going to get into the current state of my video game collection. But I think... Um, yeah, I, pro- I probably picked up like some Atari 2600 games or NES games, some Sega Genesis stuff before I had the ability to play games um, for those consoles. And I think I've always eventually acquired the console uh, for the games that I've purchased. But for the most part, a lot of that stuff that I purchased just to purchase is gone now just because I've... I have no reason to keep all that garbage. Yeah. So. Um, I would... Nothing now, because I usually get the console before I buy games mm-hmm. for it. 
um, or I buy the games when I buy the console, it would probably be like Game Boy Advance or PSP stuff. Yeah. That I would have probably gotten beforehand. Maybe Battlefront 2 on the PSP um, would have been before that console. Or, um, yeah, some Game Boy Advance games. Yeah. But nothing recent. Now it's I buy the console and then I buy games. Plus you're Just, pretty frugal and you... <laughs> You buy things with the intention of playing them. Yeah, I'm not going to randomly serve like PlayStation Store and like pick up. Unless it's like, hey, Ryan, I got Poi for a dollar. Yeah. And I'm like, I can justify spending a dollar on a game that I'm going to mess around with. Spend a couple but hours like, with. Yeah, it's usually well-researched, and I buy the physical copies. Mm-hmm. Because I know I'm going to keep them in my collection and be able to go back to them. Yep, good stuff. Yeah, I am frugal. So we've got a backlog of emails here to Nick from uh, Nick Knack Anime. We've talked a little bit uh, about him uh, earlier in the episode. His uh, simple question here, he writes in, he says, Hey guys, Nick Knack here. And this episode, I just want to ask one simple and maybe hard question for you guys. And that is, Ryan, who is your favorite video game character that's a ninja? I don't even know. Greninja. If I can, yeah. Super Smash Ultimate. That or... I guess he's not a ninja. Ryu from the uh, Ninja Gaiden games. Let's Have see. you played those games? They look in- extremely hard. The only one that I considered playing was... I think there was one on the Xbox 360 that kind of revived the character, so to speak. I want to say. I could be completely off base with that. Mine would have been Sekiro. That's the only ninja that I really played... There was a game demo that I played years ago on the PS2 or GameCube for a game called iNinja. It was this little 3D platformer you played as this little nimble, cartoony-looking ninja that was... That sounds really familiar. It always looked fun, but I never really got around to picking it up. That or LocoRoco. In I video games. Ninja. Yeah, we've got Ryu from Ninja Gaiden, Scorpion from uh, Mortal Kombat, and a wild assortment of characters here that I... I'm not familiar with. Mostly from RPGs, I assume, based on these character names. Um, yeah, mine has to be Sekiro. I think he's the only ninja I've ever played as. Besides, like, ninja Pokemon. Oh, from Sekiro? Is that what you Sekiro. just said? Yeah, that's a good one. It's yeah. a great one. Um, if I spent more time with Sekiro, I'd probably agree with you. Yeah, I'm but, still... St- I, I have to get in the mood. Probably after Tales of Vesperia. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You have to be in a very specific mood. I have to just re. The problem is I have to relearn the controls, and those controls are not like, hey, let's go put up a shield and like. It takes talent and rhythm, and I'm stuck at the. I've only tried it like a couple times, but the ape. Mm, okay, I've heard that's a pretty big barrier for. People. That's yeah, it's one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. So. Travis, executive producer of the show, writes in and says, "Happy Sunday to you too." Well, I wish we'd have read this last Sunday, Travis, but we're reading it now. Don't even worry about it. On a Saturday. I've been thinking this week about RPGs, which ones I've played, what I enjoy, and what I don't. I know you two touched on this last year when you first discussed the genre, but it's really tough to nail down what makes a game an RPG and what makes it something else. I mean, really, anytime we play a game, we're talking on the role, or we're taking on the role of someone else. So wouldn't every game technically be an RPG? Excellent point, Travis. He goes on. Following the more typical conventions of what characterizes an RPG, I guess I haven't necessarily played a lot. I fear more action-adventure and platformer Metroidvania. 
However, these following games are ones I classify as RPGs that I've played and enjoyed. The first two games here are ones that I really, really want to get on the Game Boy Advance. Golden Sun and Golden Sun Lost Age, Biton Kaitos, Eternal Wings and the Lost Ocean, Tales of Symphonia and Fantasia, Skyrim. We have a fellow RuneScape player. Travis played RuneScape. I like you even more now. Mario and Luigi. He's Superstar executive produ- producer. Yeah. Can we make him senior executive producer? Because he played RuneScape. Ladies and gentlemen, at 3.22 p.m. on August 24th, 2019, Travis has been promoted from executive producer of the Otaku Brothers podcast to senior executive producer Congratulations. of the Otaku Brothers podcast. A the sincere, pay is about the same, but you get more responsibility. That's right. A sincere congratulations. Make sure you have an email every week. And now you have to explain your RuneScape experience to us. Please do. Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. We talked about that game last episode. Paper Mario on the N64 and Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door. I believe that was on the GameCube. Fire Emblem Path of Radiance, Harvest Moon 64, Pokemon Blue version, and Chrono Trigger. A fair amount, truthfully, but not as many typical JRPGs. He says he hates random battles, all caps. Yeah. So most of the more classical RPGs I've played and enjoyed featured battle systems where the enemies are present on screen, a la Paper Mario, um, Bite and Kaidos, and to give the option to skip them if you can. As for future playing, I've been meaning to get into the classics available on the SNES Mini, namely Secret of Mana, Super Mario RPG, and Final Fantasy III. Technically Final Fantasy VI in Japan. It's the sixth game, but was the third released in the West. little history lesson for you there, folks. I just don't have the patience anymore for that sort of grind-style gaming. I still have Bloodborne to play as well, if that counts. It certainly does. Yes. Just one question for you two this week. What are your thoughts on the recent trend in action games where RPG-type elements are included? It is a good trend, where the action experience is given more customizable player control. Or is it an annoyance, overcomplicating the action-adventure experience? What, like a God of War turning from button mashing to RPG? Yeah, God of War. I think you could even introduce Spider-Man into that category because you have this, this skill tree that you can allocate that those points to your liking to unlock new abilities. Well, I think in God of War it makes sense from the change of the character. I had a lot of fun changing, like dressing up Kratos in awesome new armor. Mm-hmm. Especially the uh, mist armor towards the end of the game, which looked really awesome. Um... I was happy with it. The skill tree makes sense. Like, it basically, without level gating you, it level gates you for not giving you all these overpowered, like, sword moves mm-hmm. or axe or Leviathan moves, I guess. Um, Spider Man, as well. Um, it wasn't really as necessary with Spider Man, but it was still a lot of fun. And the customization of the skins, though, it didn't really or the suits it didn't do a ton it was mostly visual it was and purely cosmetic some of the like uh skills associated with that you would customize yeah no i think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about god of war is that it made sense and that's the key thing here is if it's shoehorned in unnecessarily so like um, um what's the game you just played that you said last wolfenstein youngblood yeah it was just like why are we trying to fuse bethesda's elder scrolls series and fallout series with a game that's primarily known as being a running gun shooter yeah in wolfenstein like don't do that to my game where the previous two games the formula was so perfect that's like halo if you were to rpg a halo yeah i mean i think they could go in that direction um more of a destiny like approach to the halo series and franchise and i think 
343 or Bungie, whoever's at the helm of that series nowadays, would do it justice and do it well. Um, but again, you have to make sure that you go all in and you're crafting and building the entire game's um, character progression system on that. And it's explained, or like through some type of tutorial that isn't really tutorially. Mm-hmm. Like the little colors next to the people for the armor in Youngblood was not explained. So you didn't know that certain guns could counter certain armor types. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was just stupid. But um, like the simplicity of Halo with like, hey, take a plasma sniper or like uh, whatever the guns are. Like it made sense. And that's why it worked with just a run and gun kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, for games like, so God of War, Spider-Man we've mentioned, they, they had, um, I think skills in... Dishonored. There were like two or three different trees or webs of skills that you could um, allocate skill points to as you progressed and leveled up through the game. And, Smash Bros. And that made sense. With the spirits. That's kind of RPG-ish. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, Travis's subject header for the email was, isn't everything an RPG these days? And he's right. I mean, you could yeah. really argue that um, any game has some type of RPG element within it now. But... Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm all for it. Again, it just has to make sense and it has to be done well. I agree. Quality so, is key. That's right. Speaking of quality, what have you been playing this week, Ryan? So I've been playing a couple games. One, Tales of Vesperia. Um, I was stuck on the third secret boss. It was like a wolf thing, which is generally seen as like the first like wall okay. that people face. Um, so the first half of the week, I was pretty busy with things. Like helping my grandma move and some other stuff, like work-related things. So I didn't really have a lot of time to play like plot-related stuff, so I was just grinding a bit. Which was actually pretty relaxing. In Vesperia? Yeah. And then I beat that boss, and then I played like four more hours. So I played five hours last week, and I'm up to about nine or ten hours. Oh, nice. Total. Um, we're, I don't know when we're doing it, but we were invited... I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago that we're going to discuss that game on a different podcast. Yes, the Tarkaron podcast. It is actually linked in the show notes to this podcast. And by the time you hear this, if Zach is up to speed on editing, which is probably not the case, then you will know that... Uh, well, it's, it's on YouTube. So all the episodes are on YouTube and they actually capture the video of us speaking. We reviewed the uh, most recent live-action Lion King movie. So... Um, you can check that out. Also, earlier this week, Zach and Alec, Chronolink91, you heard his voice earlier in the show, they talked about the 10 childhood TV shows, animated TV shows that kind of define their life. Oh. So they do this series of like 10 movies or TV shows that kind of define their childhood, their life, whatever it might be. Um, and so they each shared five animated TV shows that really made an impact on them. Cool. So that was fun to listen to. Something we should probably consider doing sometime. Yeah. Be fun discussion. I'm trying to think what made an impact on my life. Pokemon, SpongeBob, being dropped, Avatar. Yeah, that would be a fun one. Yeah. Um. So Tales of Vesperia. I, I'll give my impressions, but overall, I'm having a lot of fun. Good. I'm at a point where I can grind again, which is nice. What's the save feature like now? So, so originally I started, and I was in the first like town, and. There was a like, little button in the menu for you to save. Mm -hmm. 
but apparently that's not how you save. There's like little save points in the game. There are. Okay. So I was trying to save and then I had to get going. And I mean, the first save thing is maybe 20 minutes in uh-huh. or less. But I was taking my time talking to every character, watching all the cutscenes, and I got pulled away to something. And I had to shut off my game and I lost uh, 20 minutes of whatever. That's a bummer. So I was like, this is going to be another Chrono Link. Or Chrono Link. <laughs> Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger. Um, it was not. So I figured out how to save. Um, yeah. So it's grinding's fun. I'm just. There's no visual armor updates, okay? Which we mentioned last time is something that we really enjoy. But it is you do get a sword update when you like change your swords or your weapons. Okay, so it is like Nino Kuni then. Yeah, so that it checks some of the box. Yeah. So yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm at a point where I I don't need to grind, but it just it cuts down on the amount of grinding I have to do later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that and then my. Old roommate Ben is coming over tonight. Yes. And we're having a Pokemon night. Nice. And you're ditching us for like husband wife time, which is Yeah, un- probably something I should do. Yeah. But I've been playing a little bit of Pokemon. Um let's see, I got a Groudon, two Giratinas. Uh last night I was wonder trading a bit. I got a shiny Arceus, a shiny Shaman, a non shiny Latios. Or Latias, the red one. I sent it to uh, Ben. Just I'm like, hey, or I sent him a text. I got a Latias. He's like, shiny question mark. I was like, no, just a regular one. <laughs> and we're just like, he we're talking. New. <laughs> yeah, like, we're just like we're talking about. That's a legendary Pokemon. Granted, in the new one, you get that midway through the story. But it's like, oh, it's just a regular legendary. Like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um. And I screwed up evolving a couple of my shinies, so I have to find another shiny Oddish. Okay. Like, in my spreadsheet, I had put, like, when I turn it green, it means I put it into the Pokebank. Everything's good. I turn it green okay. on my spreadsheet. I had turned Oddish green, and I didn't put them in there. So, I'm like, oh, I got two more Oddishes. To trade. I can do one is Gloom and one is Vileplume. So, I evolved both of them. And then I went to put it in the Pokebank, and I realized one of those Oddishes, Oddishes, Oddis, Oddishes, Oddishes, Oddishes plural is actually Odyssey, Ryan. The Odyssey. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the Oddishes should have stayed an Oddish. Okay. So I have to now find another Oddish that's shiny. Unfortunately, but Ben and I, we both have. I have about thirty extra shinies now. Oh my gosh. Um, about eight of or ten of them are mythics and we're gonna just swap or just trade each other any of our duplicates and then go about shiny hunting good stuff good stuff um so that's it i'm assuming vesperia pokemon little shadow of the Mm -hmm. classes he's yeah ben's further ahead in the mission to complete the shiny poker deck he's about 215 unique shinies and I'm currently, before we trade tonight, which I should be getting about six new ones, I'm at 182 unique shinies. And he's at 913 hours, and I'm at 792. And by the end of tonight, you'll also be at 900. I'll probably be about 800. <laughs> That's insane. Well, good on you for making excellent use of your time. In life decisions. Uh, for me this week, I continued on the Final Fantasy 13 train. I found an area in chapter 11. 
It's earlier on where you can just farm mad Crystarian points. And that's open world, right? It's linear. No, so the first part of chapter 11, you're in this huge expansive field. Mm-hmm. That's the open world play. What are you doing? I'm like moving my feet back and forth. Okay, let's not do that. Sorry, can you hear it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my bad. Um, <laughs> Your dog's biting me because he thinks my foot's a toy. Yeah, that's exactly why you don't do those types of things. Um, the first part of chapter 11 is when they introduce side quests, and that's when you have this large open world place to explore. But most of the enemies at that point, if you try to fight them, you're going to die okay. very quickly. Um, you can eventually come back to that area later in the game, but um, I just proceeded to go forward. I grinded a little bit, but once I found this one area to grind, um, I maxed up my Crystarium for the three roles for each of my character. Yeah. Um, up until, so the next boss I would fight, then the Crystarium would expand and I could level up again. So I banked about, or I was sitting on about 300,000 XP for each of the characters. And then... The end boss fight for Chapter 11 is the boss that, when I first played it on Xbox 360, I actually put the game down for an entire year because I felt like I, I, could, I just couldn't beat the boss. I just could not do it. And once you're locked into these, this new area, it's not a really great place to grind. Yeah. And it's the second Berthandalus fight. Yes. Or Bartandalus. Does he, does he turn so. into a giant robot again? Yes. A different looking robot or the same looking Different. Robot? Yeah, a little okay. bit different. Um, and so the suggested time for beating him is like nine minutes and 40 seconds. I beat him on the first try, but it took me 19 minutes. <laughs> so I think I need to be a bit more aggressive in my approach because they suggest you use Delta attack and then switch to combat clinic, which is two medics because he does a lot of, um, status ailment casting, yeah. which cause you to, um, like poison will of course cause your health meter to gradually deplete. He casts another one that completely prevents you from fighting at all. Okay. And so you can, once you go to complex combat clinic, you can cast Asuna, which kind of heals that status ailment. Okay. Um, but instead of going back to Delta attack, I should have just gone to Relentless Assault more, which has two Ravagers and a Commando. Um, it's basically just an all out assault on the enemy. Um, okay. I didn't do that as much, which caused the battle to last a little bit longer than it probably should have. But I don't care. I beat him. And then you get this incredibly epic cutscene leading into chapter 12 when um, all of the main protagonists infiltrate this what would in today's day and and age be um, a NASCAR race but instead it's like an F-Zero race because the game's set in this futuristic um, you know dystopian city or whatever F-Zero yeah you've never played F-Zero or heard of it oh is that like the race car game yeah you're like in the futuristic little race cars um, Captain Falcon but anyways, um, each of the different characters like has like has their summon. So hopes on hers, uh, or hope is on his. Um, Vanille has hers, of course. Um, Lightning is on Odin and everything. It's just this incredibly epic scene that kind of ends up unfolding. Um, but I haven't played any more of Chapter Twelve. I've kind of put it down because I got this device that allows me to connect it in the back of my N sixty four and then connect an HDMI cable to my N64 into my TV so I can play my N64 games on my HD television and it actually up the pixels to 480p. The non-Wonder Tank one. Yeah, so there's um, like a RoboTank or something like that that allows you to connect multiple consoles, but that in no way 
upreses the pixels at all. Okay. This one is specific to the N64 and actually upreses the the pixels to 480p. Hey, Lauren. No. That's Ryan's doing. What? <laughs> it doesn't jingle. Jingle okay. jangle. We're gonna get Scooby situated here, folks. It's okay. Don't even worry about it. He piddled a little bit on the ground. He he gets excited when he sees familiar faces. I also played, as I was saying, I got this thing called the Super 64. It upreses the pixels on the N64. And I played a little bit of Super Mario 64 just to kind of demo the, the feature and what it actually looks like. And then I put in Perfect Dark, played a couple um, combat simulator rounds on that, of course. But what I spent the bulk of my time last night playing and even this morning, Scooby woke me up at like 5.30. Okay. And Lauren, after she left... Um, Made some coffee, made some eggs, and played some Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, you um, were raging when I got here. So this game's bosses are infuriating. <laughs> I also forgot like the structure of the game and how you progress. And so how it's set up, you have these four different areas or subworlds that you go into that have four races apiece, four standard races, I should say. Um, and so once you beat those regularly then you have to go and beat the boss. Okay. Once you beat the boss, then he says, hey, go back into those four levels, re-race them, but collect these eight silver Nintendo coins. Once you re-race and collect all the coins in each of the levels, then you have to go beat the boss again, and he's harder the second time. And then once you beat him the second time, you unlock the trophy race, and that's you have to play kind of like Mario Kart, typically how you have four races in a row to get the cup. Yeah. Well, in this, you have to play the four races back to back to back to back. Um, and you, of course, get awarded a certain point value based on your ranking in each of the levels. Yeah. And if you get first, then you get the trophy. Once you get all four trophies for all four areas, that's when the big whiz pig statue thing, very Mount Rushmore-like, comes down. I think you unlock the final world. I completely forgot until I looked up a guide because I'm, I was wondering, like, I thought I beat this boss already. Why Why am I having to fight him again to unlock the silver coins? And I finally figured it out. I have 34 or 35 golden balloons. Um, there are 47 total in the game, so I'm nearing the end. Okay, and the balloons are different than the coins? What do the balloons do? So the balloons are the equivalent of stars in Mario, ah, okay. if you will. And so, where I'm at now, I'm in the little island place just off of the little lighthouse that's there in the main um, hub world. Mm -hmm. And I've already beaten the first boss in this level. His name's Bubbler. He's a giant red squid. So I beat him once, then I went back and got all the silver coins in each of the levels. And fighting him again is so freaking challenging. I... I watched a run. I know how to do it. It's just kind of perfecting it. On the last lap, you have to just shoot him a bunch with rockets to get him to stall and then just pass him before you finish the, uh, cross the finish line. And so I was originally playing as Banjo because he's a heavier character, so he's better on the hovercraft because you're in the water for this level. Yeah. I typically, when I'm in either a car or plane, races Pipsy, this little mouse, because she has the best handling skills and the best... Um, acceleration. Yeah. So if you are hit with a rocket, she gets she picks up the speed pretty quick. Banjo is not super fast, but since he's heavier, he doesn't 
move around so much in the water. Because the, the water physics in this game and controlling a vehicle is darn near impossible. Well, that's the one that Lauren sucked at. She got, like, last or didn't finish. Yeah, because it's so hard to travel with these super light characters because you can't control the vehicle very well. Yeah. Or the hovercraft. Um, but I've also found that it's easier to sacrifice the controls with Pipsy and just go super fast um, on this level against Bubbler than Banjo because he is so slow. And once you get too far behind, there's no catching yeah. up. So I'm really enjoying my time with it. I probably will try and play this to completion if it's... I've never gotten to Wizpig, even when I first played the game growing up. Um, but if he's anywhere near as challenging as Bubbler on the second time, probably won't be beating this game. Okay. You're just giving up in childhood. I get it. Which is fine because it's still... Because you're an adult. I am. It's best to be played in multiplayer anyways. Um, yeah, there, I'd be no help. Oh, I know you wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, I'd be... Yeah, I'd be unless you played way. this game growing up, I don't think there's any way you could learn the controls now and yeah. become proficient. It was hard for us to play that one for sure. Yeah, but especially well, playing uh, Mario Kart. Yeah, a lot of nostalgia surrounding this game for me, particularly the music. It's just such memorable tunes in this game, and especially the um, the Christmas levels. It's really fun to play, of course, during the Christmas season. And what I love about this game that makes it so exhilarating when you finish in first, if it's a tight race, is that the music pace picks up as you go through each lap. Oh. So by lap three, you know how on a podcast you can um, speed up the playback speed to like 1.25, 1.5, 2.0? That's basically what they did for the music in this game. So by the last lap, it's... Intense. It's really intense, and that makes you like your palms are sweating, and you're like palms are sweaty. Going all yeah, that's right. A little Eminem reference in here. Um, you're just freaking out trying to get to the finish line. Makes it for good time. Good times. Nice. So looking yeah. forward to playing that. Because that's more. the one where we battled, and then we sucked at flying the airplanes. Is that the same game? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So more to come on Diddy Kong Racing next week. I might even try and play um, Banjo Kazooie or Donkey Kong 64 because. I was really in the thick of those games last summer, and I just never got around to finishing them. Um, and they're two games that I I have to complete in my lifetime. I yeah. just do have to do it for for young five, six, seven, eight year old Rusty. Yeah, so yeah, you do. Stay tuned for more next week on that. We're back, Ryan. Day two of recording. We had to take a break yesterday because you were disgusting. You had just worked out, super sweaty and gross. Yeah, was, I couldn't form bad. sentences. I was struggling. But I've had a night of rest, a night of frustration with Diddy Kong Racing. That game is Did you end up getting impossible. your silver coins slash other color coins? No. There's two levels that I still need to go through. Um, so eight levels that I need to get the silver coins for. And then two bosses that I need to beat for the second time. So okay. um, Bubbler, the squid, and then the dragon um, I need to beat as well. Okay. So in the village area. but And then the bosses, they just work like normal races. Yeah, they do. Okay. But they also so have... So it's not like you're, like, throwing shit at their cars and... No, you can. I mean, you can shoot rockets at them and use all the power-ups and the stuff that you'd normally use. But you use. still just have to beat them in a race. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but they're just so damn fast that it makes it nearly impossible. But popped in some other N64 games last night. I do want to get into the hot-off-the-presses news stuff because a lot of juicy stuff to talk about, uh, especially even late last night. We got some more Star Wars rise of skywalker news yeah you were texting me when so i was having a pokemon night mm-hmm. with uh ben and we played a drinking game with wonder trade and it was a ton of fun how did so, it go like, it was oh it was so much fun i stayed up until like 1 30 and like to the point where 
I like my head fell back and I was just like asleep there. And Ben's like, Ryan, are you alright? It's like, no, I'm I'm still wonder trading. And I looked down like I'm midway through trades on two DSs. <laughs> and then he ended up like I ended up falling asleep and going back to my room. And then he was up wonder trading until like three o'clock. That's insane. But like Yeah, so how it was set up, we both have we're going for the shiny decks on Ruby, so there's some of them are wonder locked, but like around seven hundred and or not wonder locked, uh, shiny locked. Okay. So basically, you can't legitimately get a shiny for them. It's not in the coding. Mm. Which we thought Zygarde, the big snaky guy who's green and black, was uh, shiny locked. We actually saw a blue and white one yesterday. I didn't get him, but we saw one. We were watching some Twitch stream. Is Zygarde one you catch, or is he given to you by someone? I can't remember. I think you catch him. Okay. Um, was he from he's Sun in X and, and Y. X and Y, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's in a cave somewhere. Um, I think you can get him on one of the islands on in Ruby version. Okay. Or get all the old legendaries. But So we're both trying to complete that Pokedex. He had extra shinies, so he had already put them in his Pokebank. He, like, usually we use our extra shinies for, like, not cannon fodder, but shiny for shiny trades. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, take a look. And he had six that I needed. So, like, a Charmander, Manaphy, Slacking, and a few, like, three others. And then he was going through mine, and I had maybe 20 or 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And he took 10 of them. Interesting. So, he still owes me, like, four. But then what we did was we were wonder trading, and any time we got a legendary or a shiny, we'd take a shot. How many shots did you end up taking? Um... Well, we had like a just a mixed drink to start yeah, out with, yeah, like three, mm-hmm. and then God, we were up. So he was the first one. He got a a Celebi right off the bat, a mythical Pokemon, and then I got a Zygarde Snake form, and then I got a Meloetta, and then I got a guess what I got was a dog Zygarde dog, a shiny Starmie. I traded a shiny Genesect for a Pump. Or pump kaboo, which it's a little pumpkin, but the reason this is like one of the rare shinies in the game is because you have to breed this guy, and if you trade him, he automatically evolves and it can't cancel the trade. So, to get the first level form, you have to either trade with an Everstone, and luckily in the GTS, this guy had an Everstone. Okay. Basically, an Everstone stops the Pokemon from evolving. Yeah. So. I traded one of the rarest mythical shiny Pokemon for this guy because it was. I was so happy. As long as you're happy, Ryan. There's I'd... only one. Uh, there's only two other guys that are like rarer than him. So should I expect you to be like in the Guinness Book of World Records for Dude, 2019? I'm kind of a big deal right now. You are. You are. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Uh, good stuff. That's sounds like yeah. A it great was a night. lot of fun. We ended up just chilling, getting some Pokemon. And, uh, yeah, I'm at 192, and I started with 181 yesterday. Wow. That's that's awesome. Yeah, so for me last night, <laughs> that's I... That's awesome and lame, but... Uh, <laughs> hey, man, whatever makes you happy, all right? You yeah. know, I have my ridiculous video game collection. You have your ridiculous shiny bank collection. of shiny Pokemon. Yes. We love different things, but... Uh, different strokes for different folks. There it is. I played a lot of the N64 last night. I started playing Final Fantasy thirteen Chapter 12, and I just... I've put like 35 hours into that game in the past two weeks. I'm kind of like, not burnout, burnout, but burnout. Like I just needed a break from it. And so I was streaming or uh, browsing Steam to see what was on sale because I had 
$10 in my Steam wallet because a couple weeks back I bought Rainbow Six Vegas 2. Yeah. But you could only play with the mouse and keyboard, and I'm very much a controller uh, person because I've never played a PC really. Yeah. Um, the only time I'll play with the mouse and keyboard is for like real-time strategy, point-and-click adventure type games because then it makes sense. So you're playing Final Fantasy with a uh, controller. controller. 360 okay. wired controller. And I was browsing Steam and looking at the games on my wish list, seeing if anything was on sale. And the game of the year, Shadow of Mordor, or Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor was on sale. So the first game okay. for nine ninety nine, and I had like ten dollars and some change. So I ended up getting that. And this other game too that was on sale for like a buck ninety nine called Siberia. I think there's three of them, and it's kind of like this semi open world adventure, point and click adventure type game where you explore like these vast um, environmental settings um, and just solve puzzles. And I think um, there's just some grand mystery type story to play through. So. Um, I just added to my Steam library because I figure games that are like a buck, dollar ninety nine, two buck, two fifty, whatever. Um, and I have some inkling of interest in playing them. Yeah, I'll pick them up and throw them in the library. And if I'm just kind of unsure of what to play, it's it's something I can always go back to and check it out. Yeah. So did you play any of the Shadow Mortar or just buy it? I think I'm gonna play it again soon here, like maybe in the fall. I've already beaten it twice. Once on the Xbox 360, that game was a janky, broken mess, but I still got through it. Um, of course, the PS4 version, and then I played the heck out of Shadow of War, the second game, and, and I think I'm ready to jump back into that um, that series. I love the Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, and you said the way to start out is stealthy and do side quests? Yes. To yeah. level up a bit? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty overwhelming when you kind of have all of these hordes of orcs surrounding you and you die within seconds. Oh, uh, yeah. You have to master the battle system and the counter uh, mechanic mm-hmm. if you don't you're just you're done yeah. um but once you master it and you level up talion and get a lot of the different um upgrades to your character it makes for a heck of a good time so i'll get back to that at some point this fall probably um but once lauren went to bed i got the n64 up and running and i went into the room and grabbed just a whole handful of games and was just you know popping an n64 game in playing for 20 minutes or something like that putting in her next one so Played some more Perfect Dark, as usual. Tried to play a little bit more Diddy Kong Racing. That was just frustrating, so I turned that off. Played some Wave Race 64. That game okay. still controls so, so, so well. The music is incredibly memorable. Um, and just, it's good racing fun. Can you tell any of the res-ups? Yeah, definitely. You can. I, the, I think the water looks outstanding, and even, like, the characters. Just really vibrant, bright colors. Okay, cool. So, played that for a bit, and then I ended the night... Um, actually playing some Mario Golf. Yeah, you were playing that when I walked in. But oddly enough, um, when you're drinking beer and playing a golf game that requires the three-click click. system, it doesn't work so hot. So no. uh, yeah. How many bogeys did you get? I kind of just quit after the first hole, Ryan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like regular golf. Yeah, I was like, it's time to go to bed, Rusty. Um, I did not stay up till 1.30. I think I was probably in bed by, I don't know, 11 or something. 11 I'm 30. proud of you. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, but I'm uh, feeling it. I bet you are. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Uh, I think for the rest of the week. So here's what the listeners have to know: Ryan and I will not be recording next weekend because I'll be on vacation and I'm leaving Saturday, and then we get back late Sunday the following week. So we won't record the following weekend either. Ryan and I are bros. We're gonna record on Thursday probably. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do our best to get that out. Yeah, we're gonna do our best to get that episode out to you guys, so we don't have like a two and a half, potentially three week lull in the podcast. Yeah. So, 
record this one. This one, of course, is going out later this evening, and then we'll record Thursday. Hopefully have that up Thursday night, Friday um, evening. Okay. But, uh, yeah, but all of that to say, I will not be taking any games with me on vacation. I'm just going to bring The Fellowship of the Ring. going to be reading that, hopefully completing it on the beach. And then as far as the rest of the week goes, I might just take the rest of the week off in terms of Final Fantasy XIII, keep playing some N64 stuff. Um, I'm actually having a lot of fun. I was playing it this morning, Mario Golf, um, unlocking characters. Yeah. So I'm probably going to do that, do some unlocking, and then maybe pop in Shadow of Mordor. I forget. It's been a while. So N64, does that save on the cartridge? Yes, it does. Okay. Well, no, no, no. You, you, um, you have a memory card in the back of your controller. Okay, so anything you would have previously unlocked, do you still have that same memory card? Or did you never play Mario Golf? I never Golf owned Mario much? Golf growing up. So I, I always played it at my buddy Scott's house. And so that copy I actually bought at that local video game store near your old apartment. Oh, cool. So, um, but yeah, good times. The music in Mario Golf is so, so beautiful. It's just a fun little game. But yeah, good stuff, Ryan. We have some news stories to get to. Yes. The first of which is something that... I got news of earlier in the week, I think it was Monday, I went on Twitter, and I was like, oh, um, Game Informer's trending, it's probably because of a cover story, because every month, um, typically on a Monday or Tuesday, uh, the first Monday or Tuesday of the month, they will talk about um, their cover story for the month, whether it's you know Destiny 2, the new Call of Duty, the new Assassin's Creed, whatever it is, it typically makes headlines, because we learn a lot more about this particular exciting game that's coming in the fall. Yeah. That was not the case. GameStop actually laid off over 50 regional leaders. That's, yeah, wow. About 125 total employees across the organization and nearly half of the editorial staff of Game Informer, a magazine that I've been reading for over 15 years. Really sad to hear that news because I want to break this down. I'll tell my story. Let me read this article real quick from IGN. Video game retail chain GameStop has reportedly laid off over 50 regional leaders in an effort to restructure the organization following a failure to sell the company. That was earlier this year. An email from GameStop corporate headquarters sent to store managers was leaked on Twitter that seemingly confirmed the layoffs. Over 50 regional district field leaders, human resource, and loss prevention leaders were affected by the, the layoffs. The email says that the layoffs are a result of a new realignment strategy. Quote, this realignment results in an expanded size of GameStop's regions and districts, therefore reducing the number of field leaders required to run the organization, the GameStop email says. Unfortunately, with these changes, there are more than 50 leaders who have been impacted and will be leaving the GameStop team. This includes regional district, HR, and LP leaders. These leaders will be missed, and we wish them success in their future endeavors. In January, GameStop leadership ceased its attempt to find a buyer for the company, The company also posted nearly half a billion dollars worth of losses last year. The retailer relies heavily on physical video game sales, but as the most recent financial reports indicate, digital sales of games are overtaking physical sales for companies like PlayStation and EA. GameStop's decision to lay off regional leaders and consolidate regions into larger zones appears to be a cost-cutting measure. This is the part that I just don't understand. The company is also in the process of redesigning its stores into, quote, unique experiences with a focus on live events and retro games. So I understand that you have to try and adapt your current company to modern times, but this direction to change GameStop into these unique experiences with focus on retro games and live events, I don't think is going to save them. 
I mean, GameStop is a meme at this point. Like, everyone knows that you go in, you sell a bunch of new games, they give you a couple quarters, they throw the games back on the shelf for 60 bucks. Yeah, essentially. And they do so much product pushing when you go up to the, you know, the front desk, and all you're trying to do is buy a new copy of Call of Duty, and they're asking you if you want to pre-order 35 games. Do you have your GameStop card? No, you don't. Okay, well, you can get 75 issues of Game Informer magazine if you sign up for this. Now with less people. 10% off on, you know, used games or what have you. I don't see GameStop lasting beyond the year 2025. Yeah, me neither. I mean, now we can just order games to our apartment if we really want them. If I want to, I can do day one shipping with Amazon and have the game on my doorstep within 24 hours. Yeah. Why the hell would I go to GameStop and have to deal with the product pushing a game they claim is new, but they've already gutted it, opened it up. Potentially, the employees have already taken it home and played it for 100 hours for as all as I know. Yeah. And then they sell it to you as new for 60 bucks. Yeah, I mean, I still get a kick out of going in, but there's no way I would spend a, like any significant amount of time with retro games in there. Like you, get, you go in there, you get the atmosphere of like a bunch of nerds, and like you see the all the games on the shelves, and you kind of get that nostalgia of like back in the day when you can, you're like, oh, can I pick out a new game kind of thing? Yeah. But like as far as like, hey, bro, you want to go sit down and play some card games in like a GameStop? It's like, uh, I'd much rather no. go to like a mom and pop place to do that, yeah. where the owner isn't, they don't have corporate overlords saying, hey, you need to do this, and if you don't yeah. meet these quotas, you're done. If I go into that place that we go to, it's a mm-hmm. local mama pop shop. The guy that I go in there and talk to, he's the owner. Every time you go in, he's like, hey, man, you playing any games You know, recently? That's like the first question he asks you is if you're playing any current games. And you can just sit there and talk about, yeah, I'm playing some games on the N64. I had a long conversation about the Switch and Zelda and Dark Souls with him. Um, he's just a cool guy. And yeah. now it should be said that there are some great GameStop employees um, there's one guy who sold me the PS4, had the Dishonored and Assassin's Creed tattoos. Yeah. Super cool dude. Um, and he didn't do any product pushing. He was just a gamer hooking another gamer up with a PlayStation 4. That's the same way the one near the Chipotle is on our road. Okay. The guy in there has like spiky hair. He's pretty chill. And then the sales manager near my old apartment was really cool. Nice. Like we talk about like Pokemon for hours. But yeah. Like, it's just... I, I think it's it's always the people above them that... It's based off the numbers, which businesses are. But for gamers where it's supposed to be about fun and enjoyment, I don't know. We can get ads literally everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't need a human ad. No. No, we definitely don't. I just remember distinctly my mom taking me into a GameStop. The year was 2004, I believe. I walk into GameStop and... I love how specific, like, your... Maybe you're like... It was 1995. It was like May 4th, like <laughs> 7 a.m. It's like the dates or like the people's names are ridiculous how you remember them. I remember things about my personal life and like personal accounts of just certain experiences I've had. But as far as like how people can remember all the characters and story beats of an RPG that they played 45 years ago, I can't do that. But okay. as far as memories, actors, actresses. Like, I don't remember before like... Maybe eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. You should probably consult a doctor about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm concussed. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. so I go into GameStop. It's about 2004 as far as I can remember. 
And this was when the games, Game Informer magazines weren't the size of like a little notebook. They were actually gargantuan magazines. Yeah. Super thick, hundred like nearly 300 pages it seemed like of articles and reviews. The review section was literally like 30 pages long. They reviewed all kinds of games they really shouldn't have. And nowadays, it's like, yeah, we reviewed Call of Duty and Star Wars Battlefront this month. That's about and it. And they're both a hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> next next month, <laughs> expect being paid. Next month, expect Madden and FIFA. Um, mm, but I go okay. in, and this guy that was at the front desk was just the coolest dude ever. Um, and it was actually like the last time I ever saw him at that GameStop. But I was just browsing the shelf. I was looking to get just a fat stack of PS2 games, and I ended up getting a fat stack of PS2 games. The only two games I remember grabbing that day were Dynasty Warriors 4 and Gun, which was the game that was kind of overshadowed by Red Dead Redemption, but I think Gun is the more fun and enjoyable game. Plus, it came first. Is it What's the gameplay style? Is it basically Red Dead? Yeah, it's basically Red Dead. Cowboys? Um, yes, but there's the enemies are more like Native Americans than okay. they are humans and like gangs. Wow, our... Native Americans, not humans. Jesus. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, the way to dehumanize literally. Gang members. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to dehumanize Native Americans. You know, they were, they were Indians. <laughs> they were not <laughs> humans. Not actual people. God. Yeah, all right. So we're, someone's going to definitely flag this podcast as being racist. But Yeah, that was rough. That's not what I was trying to do. And hopefully the listeners understand that. Every time I hear a game called like Gun, it's like Pokemon Gun. Or that like their sword shield and like the green one, that Pokemon Gun title. Oh, the one that was, yeah, fictitiously like leaked. Yeah. Um, God, that was bad. But anyways, <laughs> we're moving on. It's not a big deal. Um, the two Game Informer magazines that I got that day were um, the one that had From Russia With Love, James Bond, Sean Connery's James Bond on it. Okay. As well as The Warriors, which was a rock star game. Um, based on, of course, the 80s classic movie, The Warriors, which is an excellent game, one of my favorite licensed games. If you go back and watch my favorite licensed games video on YouTube, it's the one I'm most proud of because I actually had gameplay footage thanks to a friend of mine back in the day. His name was actually coincidentally Travis as well. Ah. Um, not senior executive producer of the show, not to be confused yeah. with that guy. Um, but he actually provided gameplay footage and I did voiceover of the games that I was speaking about. That's cool. But... Yeah, I just had very fond memories of reading old Game Informer magazines, probably up until like 2009-10. That's when they did a lot of restructuring of the magazine. They cut a lot of stuff out. And over the past few years, they've just continuing, they're continuing to cut more and more out of the magazine. Things that I really enjoyed. Um, and it's just a shame that they're doing that. Yeah. But I just wanted to kind of give a quick shout out to um, the seven staff members that were unfortunately laid off. That being Matt Burtz, who was a managing editor. I've been reading his stuff for years. Big fan of open world games like Red Dead, uh, Grand Theft Auto, a lot of shooters, and also a big fan of like um, the NBA 2K games, a lot of sports games and stuff. Kyle Hilliard, huge Nintendo fan. Really sad to see him go. Senior associate editor. Jeff, Mar Jeff Marquiafava, also a senior associate editor. Just a really weird, fun dude that was always has had great presence on the Game Informer podcast. JV Gwaltney, who I have to thank because he quite literally is the reason that I played the Wolfenstein games, oh. New Order and New Colossus, because he was such a big fan of those. Serial Vasquez, associate editor, his knowledge of fighting video games was surpassed by no one. Sad to see him leave. Elise Favis, more recent uh, addition to the Game Informer team, very sad for her to lose her job so, so quickly. And then Imran Khan, who was the West Coast news editor, 
um, out in California. I swear, the the pace that he was pumping out news articles was ridiculous. Um, again, just so, so sad to see all of these employees lose their jobs, and especially people that were there for so long, and then even more so for people that were there for maybe a year. Yeah. So, terrible to see people lose their jobs, but... Um, you know, when I was in college, I was very big into creative writing, writing in general, and of course, my love of video games. I always ha- kind of dreamed about going into um, video game journalism, but this is a perfect example where that market is just not sustainable. Um, yeah. Print magazine is quickly dying, and the sustainability of a job like that is just, in the year 2019, it's just not practical. Yeah, unfortunately. But... Yeah, I mean, I hope these people can find jobs. They, they're they great talent and just really great people. So hopefully people bring them on. I know Imran Khan was actually brought on to the Kind of Funny Games show with Greg Miller. Greg Miller was, of course, of IGN fame. He went off, he left IGN and created Kind of Funny with his friend, his friends, and now they're thriving in California. Oh, cool. So yeah, Ryan, let's move on to happier things. Yes. And that being Nintendo's indie showcase from earlier this week. All right. So it was about a 20-minute video. They talked about seemingly dozens of Nintendo indie games, some of which they spent considerable time talking about. Others, they kind of just did a montage video of showing like, you know, three to eight seconds of each of these different games. So I had five here that I wanted to talk about specifically, a couple that I'll kind of just rattle off. I ranked one to three stars and anything that got a two to three star, I kind of threw into this little top five. But um, what about you, Ryan? Anything stand out to you? Um, I had a few. Um, There's one called Roki. It's cell shaded adventure, and I put it in parentheses as rusty game. Yes, that is definitely the last game I was going to talk about, and probably if I <laughs> like, I was going through that, and I was like, I literally put in. If you look at there, rusty game. <laughs> yeah. If I associated numbers with these games, this would have been number one. I literally have it listed last here. Um, uh, so not to spoil, I guess. Let's see. There were. There was do. Let's just see how you do it. I have most of these listed. Okay. There's like a cat RPG, which is interesting. Cat Quest or something. Yeah. Kitty Quest. I think that was. It's a second of a already existing game. Yeah. There, there's a lot out there. So let's let's just go through your five, and then we okay. can talk. Uh, the one I'm not even ranking. It goes without saying that I want to play this because we already know the game exists, and that's Ori in the Blind Forest coming September 27th. This is a breathtakingly beautiful platformer adventure game. That's very in the style of Metroidvania, if you will. Yes. And you play as this cute little guardian forest spirit. This game, of course, was on Xbox One and PC already. And the fact that Microsoft, as a publisher and developer, is allowing this game to come onto the Switch is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think with Banjo-Kazooie being a playable character in Smash now, um, are all subtle nods of a relationship that I think is only going to continue to grow in the future, which is great news for us. Yeah. So hopefully more stuff makes its way on the Switch. Um, particularly in the rare department, and I'm talking about the developer. But let me just go through my five here. The first one that I have here is Dungeon Defenders Awakened, coming February 2020. This looks like a more cartoony Diablo, where co-op's definitely encouraged, uh, but it also has this tower defense-like mechanic built into the game. Up to four people can play. It's procedurally generated loot, which I think um, could make things really fun and interesting. All I have for that is a game <laughs> as a description. A game. A game. Yes. Dungeon is, Defenders, a game. It is well, a video uh, game. See, I was more intrigued by the Torchlight 2. It's like Diablo 3 top-down yep, as yep. well. Yeah, this yeah. is more isometric, over-the-shoulder type third-person. Yeah, person, kind of like will. a... Um, uh, not Tower Defense. What's that really popular game? 
it had like the heavy do you know what i'm talking about dude you got to give me more than that oh god it was really popular team fortress 2 oh okay yeah that's what it looked like yeah so yeah that's definitely on my radar for february of next year this one's super high up there for me because i was a huge fan of the um sarge's what is it sarge's army men heroes or whatever it's like the little army men from toy story yeah there was a video game of that on the n64 and ps1 this one is called hypercharge unboxed this is coming in the winter it's a toy based action first person shooter with wave-based tower defense mechanics. Think Army Men, Sarge's Hero, and the N64 PS1. If you didn't play that shit, you better enlist in the N64 War right now and grab it. That's ex- amazing. That was probably one of the ones that I was most excited for. Yes. Because it looks like the Kingdom Hearts like front yard and like room. Yeah. From Toy Story. And I think they purposely modeled yeah. it as such. Um, and I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Yes. I'm super excited about that. That's coming in the winter, so I'll definitely be picking that up. We can play some, hopefully, online multiplayer. It'd be great if we can get you, me, the community, maybe Travis, some other people with Switches to play that online. Yeah. That'd be good times. That'd be a lot of fun. Eastward. Eastward. This one's coming in two th- 2020. We don't have a specific window of time. Reminds me quite a bit of Earthbound with its overall tone, humor, and yeah. graphical style. Uh, it's an action RPG where the premise is um, it's set in the near future where civilization is nearing extinction. You play as this young girl who meets this adult man. Very RPG in its story. Um, but you embark on this journey just to discover her true origins and why these enemies are causing the planet's demise. Yeah, I really like the art style of that. Mm-hmm. It looked beautiful. Really, a lot of these games that they showed were either cel-shaded or really retro-looking. Yes. And that's oh, I love it. Yes, me too. Um, What's that one where you go like you tilt the thing back and forth? That journey or whatever you really liked. It was like a story about an old man. Oh, and, old man's journey. Yeah, yes. a lot of them are very stylistic like that. Mm-hmm. Excellent game. If you haven't played Old Man's Journey, I think it's on the Switch now. Definitely PS4, PSP, or um, what was I saying? It's definitely on uh, PS4, iOS devices. But an excellent game. I had the vinyl soundtrack. It's such a beautiful uh, story. Check out Old Man's Journey. This next game I have, Northgard. September 26th, it's a strategy game based on North mythology in which you control a clan of Vikings vying for the control of mysterious newfound continents. Okay. So think Empire Earth, Age of Empires, those real-time strategy games where you command legions of forces to overtake and overthrow other armies, but with Vikings. That's pretty cool. So, super pumped about that. And then this last one, Ryan already spoke to it, comes this winter. It's called Roki, an adventure game inspired by Scandinavian folklore. The graphical style here is really unique, very distinct in its artistic direction. Reminds me a lot of games like Journey and Eco, where it's really focused on exploration, puzzle solving, and finding secrets in this hidden world. Yeah, no, it looked beautiful. It's definitely something up your alley and something I will play alongside you. Yeah, so this As your bro. continues to shake up the games I plan to play in the fall and the winter I months. I mean, come on, man. Just just put some stuff at the beginning of next year so we don't have to like condense our entire yeah. fall. No, I hear you. I was talking with Travis quite a bit last night, and we were just talking about how quick this year is going by. Yeah, no it's like kidding. It's so fast. Like Tomorrow is going to be September, and I'm going to wake up Wednesday, and it's going to be Christmas. Like It's just nuts. Yeah, then September ends, and then you're into freaking Pokemon. And Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a thing, too. Um, but I was telling him that I'd really like to play Banjo-Tooie in the winter. Okay. Just because 
I mean, Grant Kirkhope's musical score um, for his wintry levels are just so perfect. I mean, and Banjo-Kazooie, too. Um, or Banjo-Kazooie as well, I should say. Um, but Banjo-Tooie. I, I haven't played the game really. I only played its multiplayer growing up, so it'll be really interesting playing that for the first time uh, and just hearing all the music from the game for the first time. But... Anyways, Ryan, anything else from the Indie Showcase you wanted to highlight? No, I think those are the main ones. Okay. Yeah, just a lot of... Uh, the Soldier one, the hypercharged unboxing was my favorite. Mm-hmm. And then the stylistic... There was a few platformers, but mostly the RPGs being old, kind of nostalgia feels. Mm-hmm. And then the cel-shaded. I, I mean, I think it's probably Breath of the Wild and a few before that that really cemented that cell shaded even like dragon ball z is cell shaded yes and i just i love that art style Mm -hmm. a couple other ones here that i'll quickly rattle off skater xl looks like a kind of revival of the skateboarding series Mm -hmm. uh like your your tony hawks your skates um from back in the day comes in 2020 europa looks like a really cute platformer but it also looks very heavily puzzle based which is why i didn't have it on my list but check out Europa. It's coming this winter. Super hot. Looks like a ridiculous first-person shooter that I wanted to play when it came out on console, um, but never got around to it, so it might be a fitting time to play it on the Switch. The uh, tourist looked interesting. Yes. It's that Cubits or the Cubes kind of game, and you're like a little guy, and he's on an island, I guess, and there's dungeons and stuff. Yeah, it looked like a kind of a dungeon crawler roguelike game yeah. so that could be interesting as well a lot of proceed procedurally generated dungeons um so yeah check out the tourist and then the other one i was really interested in was skeleboy or swell skeleboy right you're a skeleton as an rpg and you can change out like your arms your legs oh yeah i did see skeletonness that. yeah and it's very stylistic as well really retro looking okay good stuff um and then the last game i'll mention is what the golf It just looked like a ridiculous golf game for people that don't even like golf. I don't understand what I was looking at. Like you, like there were obstacles that hit your ball, and then you could hit your ball as your ball was flying away. Yeah. And then it was a soccer ball, and then it was a car, and then like it was a like a cart at a Walmart. And that's why these indie showcases are so perfect because when they do that montage at the end, they'll show like fifteen to twenty games over a course of like a minute. Yeah. So you're really only getting like three to eight seconds with this game and it leads you to be like what the heck did i just watch go research more and hopefully it turns out to be a decent game did you understand i don't know if this is the right one there was one that was maybe it was fogs p-h-o-g-g-s or whatever but it was like a cat dog like two dogs connected yeah and they're flying and they were all just over the place flailing around solving puzzles yeah i was confused <laughs> I, I, I had like, no idea what that was yeah yeah that was very bizarre yeah there are a lot of weird ones um cat's quest that could be interesting um, but yeah, lots of good stuff. Dude, I feel like such an asshole for crapping on Native Americans. <laughs> You're still thinking about that? Like, I really didn't mean to say it like that. I really meant to oh, just no, say. No, just your bigot is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was not meant to come across that way, and I hopefully the listeners are not gonna like when I run for you know the Senate or whatever. It's not gonna come up. Sorry, accounting people that are above him who potentially listen. Yeah. HR? I don't think I have many coworkers that care about this podcast. Um, what else we got to talk about, Ryan? Were we going to bring up more RPG stuff or something this episode? Oh, yeah, we were. Shit. Let me open my computer. Okay, we can give you a second here. I can entertain the listeners. Or we could something. talk about the other new stuff. Yes, let's actually do that right now. Yes. No, we're going to no. pause. 
because we got an email from senior executive producer of the podcast last night. Okay. Subject header. We know what's going on. <laughs> An assortment of games. Hi, gents. I've played a handful of different games these past couple weeks, mainly because I haven't played anything in a while and have a lot of things to sample. I wanted to share a little bit about each. Cuphead. The art style is excellent. Definitely some really hard bosses. I've been playing them on easy to sample more, but you can't technically beat it and unlock the final boss until you complete them on normal. Breath of the Wild. Double dipping on Switch, I've just been riding around and exploring. I made it to Akala, my favorite region on the northeast foothills of Death Mountain, and just north of Zora's Domain. Eternal Autumn Leaves. Nice. What? <laughs> just read that sentence again. It just sounds so nerdy. <laughs> uh, on the west side of Death Mountain, pursued by the leaves of autumn. <laughs> like, it's just like, wow. I mean, it, it is what is, yeah, like... The foothills of the Zora domain, <laughs> filled with the fish people and their weird-looking tridents. It's like okay, oh, yeah. I love you, Travis. It said I made it to Kala, my favorite region. On the- <laughs> Let me restart this. Uh. I made it to Akala, my favorite region on the northeast foothills of Death Mountain and just north of Zora's domain. It turned. Oh. <laughs> like the horn of Gondor in the background. <laughs> uh, Eternal Autumn Leaves. Bastion, Ryan. I played this on Steam years ago and enjoyed it, so I picked it up on Switch while on sale for $2.99. Oh, yeah. PSA, people, go grab that. The constant narration is what makes th- makes it for me. Recommended, especially at that sale price. God of War 4. I started replaying. Yes. I might have to rescind my favorite game of all time. Breath of the Wild is amazing for riding, riding around and exploring, but damn... This story and the way it thematically sucks you in and engages you is excellent from the title screen. The first fight with, quote, the stranger and the emotional monologue Kratos gives after is easily one of my favorite moments in the whole game. Plus, I can still I still can't get over how freaking satisfying it is to watch Kratos just punch a chest open and rip its contents out. That's so nice. Yeah. So questions. Are you going after the um, the Zeus armor, Travis? And also, what armor did you choose in the mist? Because there's three main types of mist armor. Okay. And one looks way cooler than the other one, so I'm going to judge you if you pick the other ones. It's like one side. I really like that it's based off of, like, Borrow's armor from RuneScape is why I like it. But it's basically a... I forget what it's called. But one side of your arm is covered, and then it has, like, straps and stuff to hold it on. Okay. Really, it doesn't look like it'd protect you a lot but it just looks awesome okay good stuff so let us know his final uh game he talks about here is shadow of war i finally picked or i finally jumped back in it took me a bit to get back into his gameplay style but i'm glad i did so much fun i love how it actually gives you an uh, incentive to level up you can only subjugate orcs that are lower than you or lower level than you and there are so many cool orcs i love olag highs which are these gargantuan trolls that have a lot of personality. They're awesome. And they actually, in the DLC, you know the hat that George R. R. Martin wears? Yes. Um, he's wearing one of those and, like, smokes a pipe. That's cool. He's awesome. There are a lot of, like, famous actors who actually had, like, voice some of those orcs. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, some comedians and things. Cool. He says, I'll often meet a cool one and not want to, A, just kill him, or B, shame him too much and make him weaker. I did my first fortress assault last night, and it was such a fantastic experience. Looking forward to even more. Have a great one. Thanks, Travis. And oh my gosh, I'm so glad you did your first fortress raid because that, again, 
childhood Rusty watching like Return of the King dreamed about playing a game where you would just, again, just two giant legions coming together and clashing in this epic fight. Sorry, Dad texted me about Grandma plans. Oh yeah, what's going on? We just want to know what our plans were, so I'm telling him one thirty for Grandma. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, no, I will eventually, probably if you... Uh, play Shadow of Mordor mm-hmm. in the fall. I'll probably try to get on that bandwagon. Okay. Um, yeah. And then eventually, pay, I mean, Shadow of War is a couple bucks now. So yeah, you can get the up. regular edition for ten bucks at GameStop. Uh, see, I was waiting for the Game of the Year edition to come out. That's about forty. I have that. Oh, is it? It's out now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I sold my copy after I beat it, so I could get some coin back. Yeah. And I, knowing full well there was going to be a Game of the Year edition, and then I ended up picking that up when it came out. Yeah, because I have the Game of the Year edition for the first one. Mm-hmm. Just, I want the second one. I'll wait until it comes down in price. 40's pretty steep for you? Yeah. Let's check it out right now, Ryan. On It's steep for something that I'm like not 100% enthusiastic about, but I'm like anticipating. Shadow of War Definitive Edition, 20 bucks. Okay, I can justify 20 bucks. Yeah, so definitely check it out. If you've not played the Middle Earth games, get on it. They're... Good stuff. All right, Ryan, what uh, what'd you bring to the table today for RPG stuff? Are we not... You got distracted. So we're going to do the other story, the Star Wars stuff. And then you jumped into Travis's email because you got sidetracked. Are we going to do Star Wars or are we going to do RPGs? Star Wars. Dude, this episode is such a clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one on task here. <laughs> You're like, Ryan, RPGs. But the other story... Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, wait. We got an email. Wait. <laughs> Because we were talking last night. Wait, so Ryan, RPGs, what about the story you diverted? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm like Scooby chasing his tail. Jeez. Alright, let me take a sip of water here. Mm, That's good stuff. You need some amphetamines to keep you on track? I do. Alright, Ryan, hit me up with the Star Wars news. Okay, so... Ray is going to the side. (laughs) (laughs) I was like... I don't know the news because you had all the news stuff. I, I just know. know the one important thing. I know. That potentially Ray is going to go to the dark side. Yes. So let me pull this article up. And that would be the greatest thing in Star Wars. Star Wars The Rise of Sky- Skywalker will conclude the current Star Wars trilogy in a new trailer showcased at Disney's D23 Expo teases what will what that ends what that end looks like. It's a weird sentence. Although Disney hasn't made the trailer public, we can give you a brief description of what happened since we were there. The trailer opens with footage from all nine Star Wars films. A voiceover declares that there has been, quote, a thousand generations, but this is your fight. Ray, Poe, and Finn are preparing for the biggest fight of their life. Battleships tear through the skies as Ky- uh, Ray and Kylo Ren meet in the middle of a war-torn planet, ready to fight. The best bit of all, Ray is wielding a red, double-sided lightsaber. Leaks will probably show up online, they always do, but an official version of the trailer might not come for some time. And it goes on and on and on. But just the fact that we see Rey in this black cloaked clothing and ignites a double-sided red lightsaber. I was talking with Ryan last night. It would be the icing on the cake if the camera's on Kylo and as the camera pans over this war-torn planet, there's this crazy epic battle going on in the background. And um, what's the name of the song? Oh, Phantom Menace? 
Yeah, the song from Phantom Menace. But that starts playing as the. But as the as the the cam would pan to Ray and she ignites the lightsaber and that song is playing. But that wouldn't wouldn't that be crazy though? Oh man, it just gets me going. I'm super excited about. The potential for this story that could go in a million different directions. I mean, for all we know, that is just some nightmare vision that Ray has, you know? Which would suck. But I don't think Disney would, or J.J. Abrams would tease something like that unless it was pivotal to the story. Yeah. No. Oh, gosh. I've wanted her to go to the dark side. And, like, the rise of Skywalker, you have him be redeemed, and then everything's chill in the world. And then it would literally be the rise of Skywalker. And killing this nobody Ray Because she doesn't matter if her parents don't matter. Well, then Kyla would probably be the risen Skywalker. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Comes I'm, back. We got some Ben. Being Ben. I would be so okay with that because I'm in love with Kylo Ren. Yeah. He's one of my favorite villains. One of my favorite Star Wars characters. I don't really care what people say. You know, he's a little emo, whiny bitch. That's fine if you want to say that because he technically is. Yeah. But I still love his character. I love his lightsaber, his helmet. Everything about his character design, um, his greasy, long black hair. Yeah. Mm, Adam Driver. The whole, like, I have a staff thing has been leading up to a double-sided lightsaber with Rey, right? Because she just has that stick. I've seen that from the beginning. Observation, um, and I bet JJ probably had that in mind with the character to begin with. They could have either gone two ways. It was a dual, or like like a blue one on both sides, like a defender. Defendor, like a defender, like the um, the girl in the trailer for um, Knights of the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that one? I don't think I have. Okay, well, she has that, and okay. it looks awesome. Or the dual red, which is way better because oh, the more dark side people, the better. Yeah, well, it just makes the story so much more exciting. Could like imagine her taking over the empire. From, like, Kylo, being like, yeah, you suck. And then she becomes the Dark Lord of the Sith. And he's kind of like, okay, maybe I screwed up. Like, I killed my dad. Like, watched my mom die in some way because we have to get rid of her. I did some other bad things. I killed some younglings just for fun Mm -hmm. at, like, a daycare. And, like, now I got to take down Rey, who usurped me. Well, the weirdest thing that I'm kind of scratching my head on... um We've definitely seen her exhibit some uh, dark side-like characteristics in terms of her impulsiveness, how yeah. angry she is when fighting and when she's not fighting. She's um, old. She's what? Like, she started her training when she was, like, 20. Yeah. Um, Anakin was, like, what, 15? Or Luke was, like, 20. Well, Anakin was a lot younger than that because he had the little braid when oh, yeah. during Qui-Gon's funeral at the end of Phantom Menace. Well, they usually, like, indoctrinate them young. Mm-hmm. But what I'm, what I'm most curious about here and how they're going to quickly turn the story on its head is, you know, in the, the first trailer that we saw, we saw uh, Rey hugging Leia. And, like, what is it going to take for her to just completely radically shift, have black robes, a red lightsaber, and be Palpatine's apprentice, you know, we presume? Hmm. And, like, how long in the film before that happens? Because... We're led to believe this is a year after the events of Last Jedi, right? So I'd imagine at least the first 30 minutes of the movie is going to be establishing where each character groups have been, what they've done, the armies they've amassed, and kind of where everyone is 
headspace-wise. But at what point in the movie, and then the second question being, how freaking long is the movie? Because it has to be like three hours to establish this story that, yes, Rey is full-on dark side now. Kylo has come back to the light, and he has to redeem his lineage in the Skywalker name. Yeah, how would you like it to open up? Like, you don't want a lot of exposition to be like, oh, Poe, how was that, like, spawed, like, three-year, or, like, the year-long trip you had? Like, I would, I think they opened, what, with a space battle last time? Yeah, I think we need, the first ten minutes, I think, need to really surprise us. Yeah. I think the first ten minutes need to be like, oh, we're going in that direction. We need some, a lot of instigating action. Yeah, things that, like, are completely unexpected for Star Wars, and really just, the audience needs to be like completely surprised and wowed. Otherwise, I, I just don't want it to feel rushed if Rey truly is on the dark side. Because while we've had little tiny, again, glimpses into her dark side uh, turning, we haven't had glaring like Anakin and Attack of the Clones, you know, wiping out an entire camp of Tusken Raiders to get back to his mom. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd be completely... I would love it if they opened up with the scene where they're on the cliff and they're overlooking the fallen uh, Death Star, right? Yeah. But then if she goes and sees Palpatine, she's just possessed by Palpatine or like something like that. So there's no real like – I physically want her to turn to the dark side under her own volition. Yeah. Not like, hey, I was manipulated. I can come back to the lightsider. I want her to die at the end. Yeah. Like a sacrifice or like a realization of like – hey, I can't be saved, kill me before I hurt other people, or, like, hurt our friends. But, like, I'd love it if maybe there was a disagreement or, like, you could see her personality change of, like, the war-torn gathering people or, like, she's seen some shit in this last year. Mm-hmm. And then they're on the cliff side, and they, they go in and she's vulnerable. And, like, she starts seeing the tenant because there are good tenants to the, like, Sith list Mm -hmm. it's just both sides if you go to any extreme the jedis are bad and the sith are bad yes so like maybe she sees the good tenants of the sith that the jedi kind of can't actually deal with like knowledge is good but like peace in all situations technically the jedi way Mm -hmm. right so maybe she starts seeing the tenants of the dark side as she's going through this really dark side infested Death Star, and then she's able to be turned. Yes. Like, right off the bat. But, like, then it makes you wonder... I mean, they could, in the trailer, be masking her blue lightsaber when she's just a little flippy thing. It's true, yeah. Um, That's not hard to do. But with the poster, her having her blue lightsaber... Again, it calls to question when does that epic fight happen between the two of them? And when... Again, when is she going to become a dark Sith Lord? Yeah. And okay, let's. Those are all things we're going to continue pondering for the next several months until December 20th when the movie releases. Kevin Smith, who was part of Comic Book Men and he's just really prominent in the nerd culture. Yeah. Because he's a big comic book fan, whatever. He was invited on set by JJ to see the filming of certain scenes, just how things were going production wise. And when he was walking towards a certain room, he was he was not allowed to go into the room because. Um, that's where the final shot was 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 taken. Yeah, and JJ JJ didn't want it spoiled for him because he said it's absolutely like mind boggling. Like your your mind will melt when you see this in theaters. 
What do you think that final shot is? Okay, so where was this? Sorry, I'm trying to... So Kevin Smith, big comic book guy. Yeah. He's just a famous guy. Invited to the set. He wasn't allowed to go into this room because that's where like the final seconds of the movie okay. were filmed. What kind of set would would JJ not allow someone to go into because it's that like mind melting? Like what could possibly happen that would just melt the hearts and minds of Star Wars fans, do you think? That again somehow ties all nine Star Wars movies and all of their characters together in one one scene. Is there anything that you can think of that would paint that picture? I, I think that the, my first thought would be like it's someone or it's some location that like people have died. Like our, all of our beloved characters. Like the Jedi Council, right? Yeah. Or like you see Luke and Anakin and like maybe they're on the other side as ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like something like that where you're seeing all like one of our beloved characters uh, it's but then t- that gets into like oh you're teasing another movie kind of thing that you also don't want it to come across as like really cheesy if it's just like this force ghost tea party with like yoda yeah. ben kenobi anakin luke potentially leia qui-gon all just yeah. sitting around kind of like the end of last jedi where i was like all our bros in the Millennium Falcon, yeah, patting each other on the back because we lost a war and a lot of people died. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a tough thing to tackle. But if JJ says that it's mind-boggling and you want to make sure this isn't spoiled for you, well, I I have faith that it's going to be pretty epic. Yeah, I do too. JJ knows how to, I guess, tease and then potentially come through with it. Um. I'm just there's I can't think of anything that wouldn't be seen as like teasing another movie in the series like something that fully wraps it up like anything I don't know well they can always expand right I mean you look at this new Obi-Wan Ewan McGregor series that's coming out maybe it's a throne room for Kylo but the Empire is actually the good guys like he's through killing Rey sure he was the leader of the Emperor Empire but he's like, maybe we should actually help people instead of doing these war machines. Kind of restore balance to the force. Yeah, and it's Kylo with a green lightsaber sitting on his throne. Like, I don't know, democracy, but like what the original Senate or whatever was. Mm-hmm. Like he's turned the Empire from this giant war machine into the good guys. And what? how does Palpatine fit into all this, do you think? How do they permanently exterminate his character and what role do you think he plays in mentoring kylo mm. do you think he's the one that i guess two two-part question here do you think he had ties to snoke and then do you think he's the one that turned kylo uh, against luke to take over his jedi temple mm, well, i think the emperor didn't he feel a power like in the outer reaches or whatever. I think Snoke. that's been talked about. Yeah, I think it was in the, one of the books. Okay. Um, whether he knew what Snoke was or how the connection of Snoke or the Emperor, they killed Snoke in like half a second. There's zero character development. I think I would, as much as I'd love for him to come back and be like this awesome character, can shoot lightning and like battle it out with Palpatine for. The rule of one or rule of two. 
I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they might talk about it like we knew each each other existed, but it was like a mutual like get out of my portion of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's probably going to be a character that like he's like a sleeping evil, mm-hmm. and he can manipulate, but like maybe helps turn Ray, and he might even say through his manipulations like say something that actually like turns kylo back yeah like you're i don't know like insulting darth vader like he's weak or whatever i that might actually drive kylo further down but like he potentially has a like possibility of changing ben back the possibilities I, I are know. endless here. I mean, there's so much, and there's no way that we could accurately predict everything that's going to happen in this movie. Or anything. Um, I just love that we're we're presented with so many theories, and there is so much open-endedness to this, that we're not going in with a clear picture of what the hell's going to happen. Yeah. That's, that's when Star Wars is at its best, is the unpredictability about it. Yeah, I would have loved to have, like, a cohesive, like, arc of three movies instead of, like, three separate installments. I agree entirely. Because they're all, like... It feels like all three movies are the exact same way. Like, go in, write, go in, director, write whatever you want. It's all open-ended. Force Awakens was like that. And then they're like, screw it, Last Jedi. Go in, write whatever you want. And then the last one is like, JJ, go back in, write whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I mean, Force Awakens to Last Jedi, they're so, like, not melded together. And I really hope something in this movie melds three together to look like it even pretending they had the idea of what an arc could be yeah no i agree at least in the first original three even though we harped on it yesterday when in the first half of this podcast um when we're saying the og old three i mean they were cohesive yes like they made sense and there was an arc to it mm-hmm. but like even the prequels I mean. even yeah even the prequels had a story that they wanted to tell mm-hmm it was a pretty linear line. Yeah. But, yeah, I hope so. I, I looked it up, and D3, D23, the expo, goes through tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So there's still time to learn, one, more about The Rise of Skywalker, and two, for that clip to be released. Um, hopefully it is, because I love to talk about it on the podcast, and hopefully have a chance to dissect it even further and come up with more theories. Uh, but why don't we call the episode there, Ryan, and then we can do the RPG stuff Thursday to leave a topic for us. Okay. Maybe do some hypotheticals or something um, just to pop out another episode for you guys. I want to make sure that we don't have too much of a gap because then I forget how to do this podcast. And, uh, <laughs> That's so true. It becomes we a problem. We had to look up, like, how do we start this episode? Do we say hello? Hello there, guys. Or, like, do we need to listen? Yeah, sometimes you just forget, like, how does this opening go again? Because I have a pretty much cookie cutter, like, this is what I say. My thing is just wing it. Like, whatever. Whether you say hi or hello, hello there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Ryan, Change your accent. Yes. I'm not, I'm not very good at accents. Me neither. But I don't have many talents. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, did you want to add anything else to this podcast today? Well, it sounds like we're delaying um, RPGs like we've done many times for Rusty's Retro Recommendations. So, uh, have we even done that? That's a dream of a segment. (laughs) (laughs) We did that, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, shit, I brought it up. Yeah, We might do that Thursday. (laughs) If not, we'll make it a meme. Don't count on it. 
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Otaku Brothers podcast. If you want to write in to the podcast for Thursday's episode or really any episode, record yourself. We'll, we'll you know we'll play it through on the podcast like we did with Chronolink nine 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 one Alec. It'd be good times. We'd love to hear from you. OtakuBrothersPodcast at gmail.com. Send us something in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Ari Lewis 2011 Updates about the show. That's when I throw up the query for you guys to submit more questions for us. Really appreciate all of you guys listening. Again, Native Americans are humans. <laughs> yeah. Just want to make sure that's very clear. Yeah. They're actually the first people to come over the land bridge in Alaska. So, sorry we took your land. Remember, this is an educational and forgiving podcast, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you Thursday. Bye.